that's a reflection of the cosmological reality that we'll always have enemies when it shouldn't be complaining right oh my god we have so many oppressors you know that that would be ridiculous so how did that what a time to be alive let's defeat these and then move on to the next Assalamu alaikum and welcome to another episode of the Prophetic Mentality Podcast. Today we have a very special guest on the show, Imam Cyrus McGoldrick. A little bit about Imam Cyrus. He graduated with a Bachelor of Arts in Middle Eastern, South Asian, and African Studies from Columbia University, a Master's of Arts in Civilization Studies at the Alliance of Civilizations Institute at Ibn Khaldun University, where he is now also a PhD candidate. He worked for a numerous number of Islamic, social, and human rights organizations, including the New York Chapter of CARE, the National Coalition to Protect Civil Freedoms, the Islamic Leadership Council of Metropolitan New York, and the Youth Coalition of South Florida. Now, we brought Cyrus on to discuss the topic of activism in the Muslim community. Why? Well, the way I see it now in the Muslim community, there's quite a bit of confusion in regards to what our goals are and how to best achieve them. There is no real goalpost as the overall nationwide activist movement, which we have essentially joined at the hip, is constantly in flux in its shape and definition. Now to me, Cyrus represents a time when activism was more grounded, and we had clear-cut goals with what we had hoped to achieve as a community. Alhamdulillah, Cyrus had a lot of clarity to offer, and many great takeaways in regards to the modern activist landscape. I thought we had a very fruitful discussion, and I think you will benefit from listening as well. And with that, we'll be on to the show. Assalamu alaikum. Right, Assalamu alaikum. Welcome to another episode of the Prophetic Mentality Podcast. Today we are joined by our guest, uh, Imam Cyrus McGoldrick. Assalamu alaikum, Imam. How are you today? Um, so, alhamdulillah, thank you for joining us today. We wanted to uh, have you come in and speak to uh, some of uh, the history of you. you. You were a big activist back in the day. Now you kind of left that and you, you're, you're taking your studies over in Istanbul. So, alhamdulillah, we wanted to get your experience on things and discuss some current events inshallah okay. thank you for having me to you and to whoever tunes in to, to listen to us inshallah. I, uh, I'm very honored to be part of this project I'm excited wishing you guys all the best on continuing this podcast inshallah may Allah give this project tawfiq give it I success mean. and uh, I mean. make it a benefit you know to us and to anyone who listens in uh, you're very kind in the introduction I'm certainly no imam or and I never felt like a big activist either, but definitely happy to, uh, you know, speak about some of our experiences, some of what we've learned, what we've learned along the way. Yeah. It's a benefit, inshallah. So I understand you were with CARE back in uh, uh, 2010, 2000, yeah. or 2011, 2012. Yeah. And uh, can you speak to a little bit about what you were doing there at that time or what kind of brought you sure. to join CARE? And sure. CARE New York specifically. CARE New York specifically. New York chapter. So, yeah, when I graduated from, well, actually, while I was still in college uh, in 2010, I remember I had interned. Uh, at CARE New York, that was my first introduction to the organization, and uh, at that time, uh, working with two great, you know, older sisters of mine, um, who had brought the organization, you know, into some important areas of work uh, in New York. Uh, graduating, you know, I, I was looking for a job, I wanted to work in the community, um, I didn't have very specific, you know, ideas, or, or even tremendous knowledge about the organizations, you know, about the different Muslim organizations of New York and of the country, but I wanted to be of service and I thought that the work that CARE New York was doing at that time was important, especially mm -hmm. the work related to civil rights cases, to casework, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. complaints coming in, picking up the phone and trying to help, you know, meet whatever need they have. And so, uh, 
I did. I took a job full time when I graduated uh, from mm -hmm. college in, in 2011 or January. What did you study in college? I was at Columbia University. I was in the department. This is my bachelor's degree. I was in the Middle Eastern, South Asian and African studies department. Okay. Um, which was it's an interdisciplinary department, like a regional studies mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. type department. Um, social sciences heavy, of course, and uh, the best way for us to study Islam and to study our histories and languages. And it was really that was a, that was a good experience as well. The, the, the <clears throat> I care, you know, in 2011 and 2012, um, I worked there through the end of 2012, almost. You know, it was an interesting time in New York. Um, at the beginning of 2011, first it was there were reports of the NYPD, the New York City Police Department, for example, using. Uh, do you remember this film? It was a propaganda film, anti-Islam film called The Third Jihad. No, it's produced by this. It's produced by an organization called the Clarion Fund or Clarion something, and. Oh, wow. um, it was one of a number of films that they had made. I think their previous one, it was a bigger hit, was called Obsession. What is I the third you had? <laughs> the third you had, I forget the exact thesis of it, but basically it got to the idea that all Muslims were like suspects. You know, all Muslims or, in America uh, were like, uh, uh, waiting to happen. The whole thing. Yeah, you know, yeah, Name some of the organizations, whatever. Um, Secret sales. Anyway, you know, it, it created an issue, you know, for us at the time, you know, to try to. Uh, push some policies, tried to close in on the NYPD a little bit. Mm -hmm. Six months later, it comes out that, uh, thanks to some leaks from inside the department, it seems, uh, that the CIA had built a surveillance program for the NYPD targeting Muslim communities uh, mm -hmm. across not just New York, but mm -hmm. bigger than the tri-state even, from Massachusetts to, to wow. Philadelphia, beyond, even internationally. Was this, so, was this before or after the NYPD released like a... They had like a document where they studied a bunch of Muslim communities and to, to, to find out where extremists extremists were, so like potential extremists. That that. They would say that this program was that. That was that. Um, they had like a document saying, oh, if someone grows out their beard and starts going to the mosque, oh, then no, he's... Oh, no, no. So this report, that, this is another great, this was from 2006, perhaps. Um, it's called the Radicalization Report, Radicalization in the West. And um, they published it. I think it's still online. It is. Probably it is. on the NYPD website, right? Um, you could get a PDF. <laughs> and yeah, the idea was like there was this four stage four-step process to like jihadization mm. right to, that someone a young muslim usually young usually male but the profile yeah. is a little bit broader um, but any muslim really could be radicalized to the level of being like an imminent threat mm -hmm. and uh, yeah part of those one of those stages was you know self-identification you know with muslims with islam increasing faith or practice Right of faith, increasing public piety, things like this, and so growing a beard, quitting smoking cigarettes, uh, wearing a thobe instead of fearing God, you know, straight, yeah, fearing Allah, loving Allah and His Messenger. Like, yeah, these are all obviously dangerous signs. And so, uh, yeah, this report went up in 2006, I think, and mm -hmm. they paid they paid a few people handsomely, you know, to to write it. Uh, I'm surprised it's still up. It's I up. It's I, up. I checked. Then, yeah, I checked last week. It was up. So the the, the 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 two sisters that I worked for at Care New York, for example. Uh, Ali the Thief and Faisal Ali, they were part of the campaign, part of coalition work, you know, mm -hmm. really to yeah. push back against that report when it first came out. Years later, when we find out that the NYPD is using, uh, you know, these propaganda films yeah. you know, to train some of their, <laughs> their guys coming up, it's not really a surprise. Obviously, we know the NYPD has a long history of being a racist paramilitary organization. It's not, um, none of this is a huge surprise, of course, you know, but then there's this pattern, right, that you can demonstrate. Mm -hmm. And when you have you know, eyewitness reports or um, at least journalistic work, even if it's not something that's you can take into court necessarily. 
it at least starts the ball rolling, you know, on building a campaign perhaps, right, to try to reform, if yeah. such a thing is possible, you know, with something like the NYPD, but to attempt, you know, to reform or to put some pressure on the NYPD um, in pursuit of a better social arrangement. Uh, again, I, I'm saying this half sarcastically because this is New York City that we're talking about and the NYPD. But again, this is kind of how CARE does work and how civil rights organizations in America mm-hmm. do work. And so that provided really the structure of my work for you know almost two years that I was at CARE New York. We had a lot of cases in that time, um, a third of which maybe are government related, you know, related mm-hmm. to government harassment or... Um, and is this cases, is this what like care was started as? Is this like what their foundation I is? Think, I think uh, you know Nihad Awad and Ibrahim Hooper and some of the you know this generation, yeah, you know civil rights leaders. Um, they started care early '90s. I, I want to say, if I remember the history correctly, early mid '90s. Mm-hmm. And I, I forget the first case. I think some of it sometimes it was related to consumer issues and things like brands, you know, misusing Muslims and. Um, whether it's like a, a movie and, okay. or it's a product that seems to have the name of a law, you know, written on it, to it. things like this. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, I think, um, you know, that probably seemed like a priority at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is also in the context of like Oklahoma City bombing, yes. where the first response to, you know, a building coming down is even in the early 90s to say this Stephen Emerson, you know, going on TV and saying that well, I, this looks like a Muslim. Mm-hmm. like Arab Muslim terrorism or something like this yeah so you know so care kind of comes into this space you know it's both trying to represent Muslims you know to the broader society while also dealing with civil rights cases so trying to be a defender yes right of Muslims in particular mm-hmm. um, I imagine some chapters take cases from non-Muslims as well uh, if they have the capacity uh, it's kind of really like, that's, uh, that's I, interesting I, I think so you know they I mean there's non-Muslim staff you know that work for care as well um, it's very much a, an American secular legal you know organization like a constitutionally founded you know yeah uh, they'll, they'll say that the u.s constitution is their foundation right for for how care does its work and um it's not necessarily some people will say it's not necessarily an islamic organization there's a spectrum of of, of um ways that you know care directors deal with that question how they center their work how they you know understand their work okay um in the context it's in but but anyway you know it's it's a lot of civil rights cases you know, if you have the capacity to do that in your chapter, it's a lot of media relations things, especially in New York. I mean, these were more media campaigns than anything else at some point. We did the mass mobilization as well. We were doing a lot of community education. That was a priority for me, you know, when I was there, you know, getting into the message getting into the schools, the MSAs, high schools, middle schools even, you know, mm-hmm. anywhere that we can find young Muslims and, you know, let them know what their rights are, you know, and also give them a way of yeah. understanding our history and our present and our potential futures. Um, you know, I found that that was the more empowering way, you know, to deal with some of these very urgent problems. What were like some of the, build the solutions. biggest cases you worked on personally? I mean, the cases we can't really talk about. Um, I was probably, I must have signed some kind of uh, non-disclosure. Well, may, uh, uh, can you give us enough details to just think, to let us know? Stuff. Yeah, I think I think the police cases were at, at the policy level. You know, the NYPD were the priority, and then um, in terms of <clears throat> in terms of the personal cases, I, in, case, in, case, in terms of the individual cases, mm-hmm. I think it were it connected to this were entrapment cases, yeah. prosecutions, which, to be fair, is not something that CARE broadly deals with. Uh, but in New York, when I was the the ranking staff member, I tried to make sure that we did mm. uh, at least you know at least you know speak about the issues if there's not a legal necessarily a, a way to deal with it legally. Okay. Um, you know that was how you know I tried to prioritize my work, and that informed I think my 
my sense of priorities, right, in terms of what are the priorities for Muslims in America, what are the most dangerous cases, what are the most dangerous precedents to set. You know, not that employment discrimination and school bullying and harassment, not that that's not important, right? Mm -hmm. These are important issues that we need to think about how we deal with. Um, but I felt that issues of government overreach, of government oppression of Muslims was a priority, and that informed, I think, my work going forward. Mm -hmm. Even some of the questions, I guess, that I deal with now. So I also understand that you you worked a lot and you campaigned a lot for Muslim political prisoners. Was that part of what your care chapter was advocating for or what you were necessarily speaking about? Or was that something you personally yeah. had taken on? <laughs> well, for a number of months, you know, well, of course, care is a, is a large organization. Even a care chapter is a board of directors. It's a staff, a body of staff. So they're kind of like all franchise. Everyone's kind of. Yeah, and each chapter is different. Each okay. chapter is a, mm. has a franchise kind of a branding agreement basically with mm -hmm. care national um and so yeah there's and there's constant debate constant discussion you know it's a beautiful uh uh constant shura you know that's happening internally uh if you take advantage of it um uh, so i got a lot of heat that's my way of my nice way of saying that I, I did get a lot of heat for some of the things that i said you know while a care staff person not from my board but from um Other national, perhaps but but respectful disagreement that's fine mm -hmm. uh i think um but during that time part of the heat was because it was almost indistinguishable necessarily what I was prioritizing as the only staff person for almost a year and a half, mm -hmm. um, as opposed to what you know was the care New York uh, priority, and that was a great blessing. It was also a great test, you know, being so young at the time. I was maybe 22, 23, mm -hmm. you know, at the time. Wow. I did not think I necessarily had the training, you know, to deal with a position like that. But we just made the most of it. We did the best that we could. Inshallah, I hope uh, Allah forgives us for any, uh, any mistakes that we made, you know, in that process. The, <clears throat> I think that. Uh, the issue of political prisoners, again, CARE's position broadly was, I haven't talked to any of the directors in a couple of years, uh, but the position always was that once uh, people were convicted you know, of terrorism or a crime related to it, or really any crime kind of in court, um, that was kind of the end of the road for a CARE legal team. Like they, would, they weren't going to push for every appeal for every political prisoner. Uh, for every Muslim prisoner or accused terrorist or convicted terrorist especially. And so even a case like Dr. Afia, you know, the perspective was, basically, well, she was convicted, right? And so we kind of have to... Have I to thought it was always like, else. you know, they, they would uh, campaign against or bring awareness to the fact that this person may have been detained without any yeah. of their constitutional rights being given to them. Yeah, that's the... That's right, the and that was like yeah, the starting the point. Purpose, like, yeah. Well, you know, sure, you were convicted, but... Yeah. You, this evidence yeah. is kind of bogus, the circumstances well, were bogus, that kind of thing. So, you know, the, a civil rights organization, and this is uh, one of the, 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 the philosophical problems, perhaps, you know, with an mm -hmm. organization like this, um, is that if your lens is the law, right, civil rights, and this was Malcolm, Malcolm Rahim Allah's criticism of um, civil rights movement as opposed to human rights, mm. right, uh, was that civil rights are defined by the law. Civil rights are defined by, first, perhaps, a legislature, right? Uh, a legislative branch, and then, finally, mm -hmm. in, a, in a conflict situation, by a judiciary, mm -hmm. right? Now, if the legislature and the judiciary decide, right, that this is not your right, right, then you've run out of space okay. for your argument, basically. Got it. Um, and, of course, in a country where slavery was legal, and uh, you know, mass internment, you know, mass imprisonment, you know, was legal. It's a settler colony, of course. This is a genocidal yeah. settler colony that we live in, and these these were all legal things. And so, the legal precedent, I don't, I don't like to what extent it 
um, informs the way that we do our work, the way that we do our movement work. And we should not confuse a Muslim doing civil rights work with a Muslim doing Islamic movement work. I think these things are going to have different priorities, different focuses. And that's fine as long as we're honest about who's doing what. Okay, to me, care is like doing both. Or it's one thing. I never even and made I think that, that was distinction. The idea. I think that was the idea. I, and I think some people try to do both. And I think now it's, the, it's not yeah. both anymore. It's the, the, the former. The, um, the civil rights work. As the civil rights to work the, and the, the whole yeah. Muslim aspect of it is kind of thrown to the wayside. It's going to depend. You know, it's going to depend on the chapter. It's going to depend on who's leading the chapter. Right? It's going to depend on even just the individual on the ground who has a certain responsibility, even if it's one department or one project. Um, you know, in New York, for example, I tried to empower you know volunteers also to come on board and to help, and we would have not have done anything while I was at Care New York if it were not for a tremendous number of really dedicated volunteers, people who were putting in, mashallah, at least ten, sometimes up to forty hours a week for wow. free, like you know, as in- wow. internships, volunteers, um, and I mean, they were all my age too. Like we, it was pretty much we just gathered whoever we could, and we said, okay, you're the civil rights director, you're the communications director, and you know maybe the law student would be the civil rights director for that semester, you know. Mm-hmm. But we got the, we got things done. Alhamdulillah, we were able to help some people, or at least you know call back and let people know, um, you know, something about this process and give some perspective and, okay. and try to achieve, uh, try to try to achieve some results. Hundreds of cases. You know. um, I think, uh, you know, at that same time. Uh, to the point is that you know there were other kids and I'm saying kids I was a kid at the time you know there were some young people who would come and their focus would be more on more revolutionary organizing work you know street organizing type work in which case maybe another chapter would say we don't do that here I said great you know let's go let's get involved with cop watch let's get involved with uh, some of the some of the leftists down at Occupy Wall Street for example let's get involved with some of these different coalition projects that are going on different causes um, police brutality, whatever, you know, there's a number of campaigns going on and have been continuously for not just the last 10 years, but decades and centuries, you know, in New York. This is mm. an old city, you okay. know, with old problems, old divisions, and Muslims should be involved in these things, you know, as much as our ethics inform, you know, did the work you, that we're on, doing. On that note, were there any that they said, like, oh, I want to team up with such and such coalition, but you said, uh, no. no. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know where this is going. <laughs> it was a. At that time, I think um, it wasn't so much that I would give a hard no. I'd be curious to know and demand to know, you know, really what were the expectations, what were the parameters of this coalition? Mm. Um, is this a coalition for all time or is this a, an issue related, you know, is this mm. a cause related coalition? Are there goals right to the work that we're going to do here? I think nonprofits should also have this, um, have a goal oriented approach such that once this cause is met, once, once we've met this need, we don't need this organization anymore. So now we're not just building an institution for its own sake, but we're trying to meet a need. Um, coalitions, I feel, that's especially important for. Unless, of course, you're trying to build a political community. That's a different issue entirely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? But mm-hmm. just a coalition to you know, say, hold hands and sing kumbaya you know, is not necessarily the most effective. It's useful in certain contexts, right? but it's not something that I'm going to prioritize a lot of time or give someone up for. Um, I think at the time, I was much more concerned um, with, and even still today, I mean, these 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 types of organizations or coalitions exist to this day as well. Um, more concerned than the leftists and some of the uh, uh, extreme, you know, fringes of, uh, of that side of the political spectrum, but was uh, Muslims working with right-wing elements, um, both in government and outside of it. Um, I think that's still the case, and, and that's still the case. Exactly, it's actually you know. just veered more towards it's working. It's become more accepted, you know? and I think there was no, 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 more, more to the your, your, your. 
uh, you're looked down more upon if you are right at all. Mm, Whereas you, you have to be left. You have to be left now. That's kind of what I see. It's interesting. I, I have a I have a good. Um, I mean, this is based on what I see with care care uh, SF Bay Area care, uh, San Diego mm, care, maybe even Los Angeles. That that's mm. and I think those are the California context. California cares, sure. and then you have sure. New York care, and then you have Chicago. Like are, those are I think the biggest chapters because they're the, they're the ones who seem to be uh, to me at least most active. You you see yeah. them a lot yeah. in social media and. Yeah. Their 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 sure. care executives are constantly active yeah. talking about what's going on. Yeah, their on leaders are, are, are yeah public figures for sure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I, I see what you mean. I, I think I have an interesting spectrum of people, you know, through social media, that you know I see these dialogues happening, Muslim Facebook or Muslim Twitter. Um, oh boy, I don't use I don't use Twitter too efficiently. I think uh, I mostly get news from Twitter. I think whereas, that's better actually. Whereas Facebook, I see more of these debates happening. Although yeah. maybe it's different for someone else. Um, but I have a pretty interesting spectrum of people too, you know, from right to left, mm-hmm. um, all different expressions of Islam, you know, different sects, different, you know, yeah. the whole spectrum, you know, and so it's interesting to see these different silos of discussion. And I try not to engage too much, you know, unless it's kind of brought to my doorstep, but I, I okay. really try to just kind of observe, you know, I, I, I'd rather be someone who tries to bring peace and brings understanding. Um, and I'm also someone who, you know, I'm blessed, blessed and tested with empathy you know as well like i can really empathize with almost every position um not necessarily justify it you know that's not that there's a difference of course you know yeah. but i think i can i can understand that, yeah, where people are coming from at least yeah. you know and understand the, the, the grievances that people have the complaints that people have um i hope and if i can be you know of some service in expressing that to the other side then great you know um but really you know our job is to find that middle way um so at the time you know in and now again we're talking 11 and 12 you know i, I was much more concerned with especially because of the the my priorities being issues of government overreach right and especially imperialism essentially american war on muslims to, to put it most plainly uh, to see muslims doing work with um, basically neocons and um you know individuals and institutions of the right wing mm. right um, in the name of for example conservative social morals mm-hmm. right um, while sacrificing you know the voice that we needed to at least project our uh, objection to war, right, and American imperialism in the Muslim mm-hmm. world. Um, mm. That was of more concern to me at that time, right? Again, because of my priorities. And I think it wasn't I mean, just me. I mean, I'm, I'm seeing this, of course, yeah. from my own personal experience. I think a number of people. I think the majority of the Muslim community was kind of feeling be, the same way, perhaps. Yeah, you know, you. Yeah. you I remember yeah. these. I remember these discussions happening. Like, yeah. are we sure we want to, you know, form a coalition with the LGBTQ community? You know, we, we right. disagree with them morally, say, completely. But there are allies, yeah. But yeah. you know, it's like, yeah. oh, brother, you know, there are allies. We, we of course we disagree with them, but this is just so we can get the same rights, our same constitutional sure. rights, and, sure. and they're against sure. war. You know, that whole right. that whole. Right. And it's like, right. okay, you know, maybe there was an argument right. to be made, and I think now it's kind of like, you can't even say, we disagree with them morally. That's. And it's changed for the, sure. The, and it's also interesting to note that in that in those years, in between, you know, being anti-war, I mean, the anti-war movement is off the table as well, right? That there were these coalitions built, right, and the priorities shifted from opposition to war. I think a lot of these relationships were built in the mid two thousands, you know, early two thousands and mid two thousands, um, into the twenty tens, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. when as Muslim activists started getting involved again. Remember, after nine eleven, an entire generation of our leadership is essentially cleaned out with very few exceptions, mm. right? 
essentially is an entire complete overhaul, generational overhaul. What almost. do you mean by clean out? Was that they, they prison, just quit? Oh, prison, exile, murder, right? Assassination. Yeah, I mean, like there, there were a number of, of, of our leaders were disposed of basically right immediately before Imam Jamil was arrested. Imam Jamil Alameen, Atrap Brown, may Allah free him, was uh, accused, you know, uh, was charged and convicted before 9 11. But mm. many of the so called immigrant, you know, or diaspora. Muslim leadership, you know, was cleaned up, especially focused on the Palestinian community, um, but a number of Arab and South Asian and Iranian communities um, around that time. Now you have a new generation come in, right, without the same movement foundations, right, the organizations are built here. Um, you know, many of them have an Ikhwani or Jamaat type background, Jamaat, the yeah. Islamic from the South Asian perspective, Ikhna, Mass, you know, these, these, they have these foundations, right, but they come now to a different context. Right, so we're not talking about rebuilding the Khilafah from inside, right, the Muslim world. Now we're immigrants to America, right, and still trying to support some work back home, but also trying to raise American Muslim kids. Now the American Muslim kids, right, are put into leadership positions, take leadership positions, or new converts come into the community, right, and assume uh, leadership positions or are given leadership positions okay. or are just given a microphone, right, by media who's interested in this new story, right. This very this changes American Muslim politics almost overnight, but at least very quickly over the course of a couple of years. What do you mean by building the Khilafah back home? I wasn't aware of uh, that. No, I think like the, what? not to be, uh, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a, uh, I never, I'm I never, not a movement member, but I think if you read. Was that like, like a certain. Old, oh, it wasn't a specific reference, but rather, um, and so when we say Khilafah now, everyone thinks of Hezbo Tashir or some of these. Yeah, so I want, I want to clarify because that's no, just like I a think, very broad I, term. I think, um, I think even when you, you might say you're an Islamist earlier, or something like oh, just am, to clarify I am the an term. Islamist, yeah, I think when uh, <laughs> when when you read some of the old uh, Ikhwani uh, okay. texts, right? There was a sense of clarity. like how old are we talking? Like, I mean, if you read like, Hassan al Banna or okay. Qutb or, or um, Fatiha Khan, you know, from Lebanon, you know, across the across the region. Even, okay, got it. Right, there was a sense of clarity at least, right, that we are. Um, we are here, we are Arabs, we're Muslims, of course, you know, we're, we are in this Muslim world, which mm -hmm. is, has been colonized and divided. Okay. Right? And that part of our um, political vision is a return to an Islamic method of governance, right? Which until the end of the Ottoman Khilafah, until the abolition of the Ottoman Khilafah was Khilafah, was, was essentially a political centralization, even if there were, there was some... Uh, decentralization. So it's kind of like a reaction to Western imperialism, the kind of the need to return. Or I think in that first generation, it was just holding on to the memory of it and that hope of getting back to it as quickly as possible. It's strange for us now because we're now three or four generations yeah. removed, right? We're 90 some years removed from this, which is unprecedented in Islamic history. Mm -hmm. Never have we been more than a couple of years really without a Khalifa. And here we are now almost 100 years out. Would you say That's we're still feeling, would you still, would you say that we're still the Muslim, um, you know, the Muslim countries or the Muslim community in general is still kind of feeling some sort of uh, uh, like a shock yeah, from I mean, losing that multi-generational trauma, of course. Yeah, I, mean, yeah, I think uh, from losing is, actually, a great book. It's an academic book, but really interesting. Um, Longing for the Lost Caliphate is called mm. by uh, Mona Hassan, um, who I think had done this for her PhD at Princeton University. Really interesting book. And she's comparing really or collecting i should say mm -hmm. uh texts responses and telling some history of her own synthesizing some history of her own um from the two periods when there was no khilafa right and oh, it was first the two years or a couple years uh, after the mongols sacked 
Baghdad. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the second period being this one, right, with the abolition of the Ottoman Khidafah. Um, fascinating. And she talks about it as trauma. She talks about this as like a civilizational trauma, as as a people being affected. And it's it's a mm. you you read in these texts, you know, there's a real sense of loss, right? That even if these institutions were, of course, they were not perfect. No, no, no one is perfect after after Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. But you know, it's also um, an important institution. It's a, it's an important uh, sense of unity. It gives a, a sense of center, you know, to people around the world. Um, it allows us to transcend some of our ethnic uh, uh, divisions and our lingual, you know, divisions. Um, now, of course, you know, I'm from Bangladesh, or I'm from Iran, or I'm from Morocco or Senegal, right? And you know. If these are communities that you invest some meaning in, you know, that's fine and you can work amongst them. And I think this was part of the Ikhwani approach too, is that, or Kalim Siddiqui or a number of the movements, right? Of course, you work within the community that you have. Who's you have these borders. Kalim Siddiqui? We're not familiar really with a lot of these names. Sure, I think we sure. were very young when uh, many of these people were, sure. yeah. you know. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm coming so much later as well and picking up this history myself and, and trying to learn what I can. Make a note. Let's come back to Kalim Siddiqui. That's he's, fine. he's definitely an important one. Uh, the... And I think you know there was this understanding that you could work within the nation state that you have, uh, but we should at least understand that these things are new, right? And that you know, for again, thirteen hundred fifty years basically, um, you know, we had a way of doing things, right? Which honestly was better suited, I think, you know, to mm-hmm. individual human dignity and also social human dignity. And this was um, the the in the broadest sense, in the most ideal sense, uh, that institution of khilafah. Now, among the Ikhwan organizations, I think there was a sense of clarity, right? That this is something that, you know, we believe in, this is something that we strive for, that we'll get yeah. there one day, inshallah. Maybe it's not building, like, HT, Hizmet Tahrir, you know, has, like, their state within, his, their state in waiting, you know, type structure. They have it all built out, you know. That's not exactly what I'm talking about. But at least, um, at least, you know, there was this uh, coherence, right, to what our goals are. Now, part of their vision was not necessarily, you know, building Islamic communities from within America. I think there was always this kind of one eye back to home. To go back home. But once, you know, people really felt settled here, you know, once Muslims really felt um, invested here, or they felt like the ties were cut and we can't get mm-hmm. back home for various reasons, okay. some good, some not. Um, the uh, There was a confusion, right, about how do we deal with the American state, right? Especially after 9-11 and the invasion of Afghanistan and then Iraq. Uh, the, the reinvasion, reinvasion, the reinvasion. Of course, no. <laughs> this, is after, this is after decades <laughs> yeah. right, of, of, of of destruction. But the, I mean, for Iranians, the war began forty years ago, not uh, uh, not twenty. But I think the the confusion has resulted in or has produced a generation. This is our generation, you know. To be fair, right? Who is who's dealing with questions that our parents and our grandparents did not have to deal with, right? Our great-grandparents certainly did not have to deal with for various reasons. Some of those, I mean, it's a great opportunity in some ways, right? But it's also a real test, right? Because the stakes are very high. And here we are now living within the country, which is arguably one of the greatest enemies, you know, of the Muslims, or at least one of the most oppressive, you know, towards Muslims globally, Mm -hmm. right? It's, It's the greatest exporter of violence. Violence in terms of physical and military violence, but also ideological you know, violence against Islam globally. And so we need to think about you know, what, are, what is our role here? How do we deal with something like that? Now, a civil rights organization is going to have certain limits, right? They're stuck to the system of checks and balances. This belief, true or not, right? That 
this government is complicated enough and that there's enough different parties that we can call on one part to check another part, right? But what happens, and you find this very quickly when you actually chase one case, you know, when you keep pulling the thread, you realize that um, there are no, or there comes a point at least when the checks and balances run out, when the whole government, when the whole country might unite on something, mm -hmm. right? Which is categorically oppressive, which we know to be against our human rights, the divinely given rights, not a court given, but divinely given, guaranteed rights. Um, not that we seek them for ourselves selfishly, but that we seek them for each other, you know, out of love and out of sense of family and ummah. Um, so these are some of the issues that I think drove me out of the work too. Um, so you kind of left, yeah, let, let's go yeah. back to you being yes. at CARE. You kind of were there for two years sure. or one, two years, yeah. and then you left that and you went to Turkey, Istanbul. To well, with a couple years in between. Okay, a uh, couple years in brief, between? Briefly, you know, I, I had a, in the years in between, I, I kept thinking about some of these things and I tried to stay involved with some of the work. Um, I worked with a couple other organizations, uh, the National Coalition to Protect Civil Freedoms, who still to this day, now under the name the Coalition for Civil Freedoms, um, focuses on political prisoner work, helping political prisoners and also their families. Okay. Um, both helping directly and also educating and, 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 and policy. Okay. The, I worked briefly with the Majlis Ashura in New York, tried to help them get organized with the Youth Coalition in South Florida. Um, from Miami to Boca Raton, okay, uh, just projects you know here and there where I would try to you know try to a lot of groundwork, a lot of yeah, okay. exactly. I tried to take a step back. Is there a reason you left um, care or just you know new opportunity? At that time, I mean, it was you know money issues you know in New York and the organization. It was you know political disagreements. I mean, of course, there's always going to be a discussion of yeah. priorities. Um, the time had come. We know? can get back so, to those. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. And so after a couple of years. Uh, of working on some of these things and trying to do youth work or trying to organize at different levels, I think um, I had been wanting to study, you know, for a long time. I, I had always wanted to get back to study, especially to study Islam. Okay. Um, being married, you know, of course, there's challenges you have to provide, you know, for your family as men, and we we uh, we were blessed to be able to do so. Um, but Turkey was the first time that I saw it possible to be able to study full time while doing so, and so my wife and I, four years ago now, and this was in 2015. We made the decision to move out uh, to Istanbul, Turkey. We moved um, in August of that year and uh, first attended a master's program. We graduated with our master's degrees last summer. Alhamdulillah. And, and what, now, what's the... Uh, is it like Islamic studies so or what a, is it? Yeah, and, I, and then I've started the PhD in the same institute. And this is the institute, the Civilizations, Alliance of Civilizations Institute, uh, as part of, which is part of Ibn Khaldun University in Istanbul. The university, at the time when we first went, the institute was in a different university in Fatih Sultan Mehmet, Vakaf University, um, and then we moved to Ibn Khaldun, or the institute mm -hmm. moved a uh, whole to Ibn Khaldun University about two years ago, and so I finished my master's there. We finished our master's there, mm -hmm. and then I started the PhD. I've done one year of the PhD so far. Three what, more to go, inshallah. What's your so. thesis, inshallah? So my master's thesis, I wrote on, uh, and my dissertation will be kind of a second, a second piece of this. I wrote about the concept of outlawry. And how using Giorgio Agamben, the Italian political philosopher who writes about outlawry as being kind of a feature of Western law in particular, that law is defined by who is excluded from the law, right? And that there's always a group in Western law, you know, people who are taken outside of the protection of the law. This is to be outlawed, right? People are made outlaws. Um, it's going back to Greek and Roman precedents, you know, but right until uh, today, even in American uh, law. And this would be. The argument supporting it is the state of exception, right? That there's a crime or that there's a certain category of crimes which are so grave, right? Beyond treason, 
beyond treason because treason has its punishments, right? But there are crimes that are so grave that the law cannot even punish these people appropriately. And so people are cast out, right? To then be killed with impunity outside the jurisdiction of the law. Um, this is to be outlawed. And now the Giorgio Agamben's series of books, 12 books or so, was the Homo Sacer uh, series, The Sacred Man, right? Uh, citing a, alluding to a, a Roman statute, right? By which someone was declared sacred, like cut off, you know, outlawed. Um, I wrote about this. Um, so who who's an example, like practically? Muslims. So today would be Muslims. Really? And, and, and so my, my master's thesis was talking about American laws related to Islamic or Muslims and terrorist crime, the war on terror broadly. Pretty much the whole war on terror um, through the lens of this legal theory, right? The idea okay. of the state of exception and, and that Muslims and terrorism, terrorism is the, is the state of exception. The war on terror is this normalized state of exception, right? Through which rights are gradually taken away, taken away, right? Or not gradually, very quickly sometimes. Overnight. Uh, overnight, so right? So the Patriot Act. So, people, yeah. so the Patriot Act yeah. is part of this. Yeah. Begins with Bill Clinton with, with material support for terrorism law, uh, with, which is a very vague um, law. Which is very vague. Yeah. And it's gotten more vague over time. Uh, if you translate, if you translate a book that's used by terrorists, then you have you be, even have though you might have never to talked to these terrorists, exactly. supposed terrorists. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> even Jimmy Carter. I mean, Jimmy Carter's organization, the Humanitarian Project, yeah. right? They wanted to help uh, the PKK transition uh, to become a uh, like a nonviolent, non-militant. Uh, Public, uh, advocacy organization. This is the Kurdish uh, People's Party, the who are declared to be a terrorist organization by the U.S. State Department or mm -hmm. Treasury Department, whatever. Wait, are they still? I thought now they're I think trying they to. Still are. I think the Syrian version of them, the Syrian, their Syrian uh, yeah. counterpart, is fine. Like they're, the they're, I think they're rooting together, for them now because they work together yeah. in Syria. But I think the Kurdish, I mean the Turkish. PKK is on the Turkish side of the board. I think they're still technically a terrorist organization. For example, even Jimmy Carter, former president Jimmy Carter, wanted to help them, give them legal mm -hmm. advice, you know, to transition the organization away from being a so-called terrorist organization, a militant organization, I should say. Uh, and the Supreme Court told them that this would also be material support for terrorism. Wow. I'm digressing a little bit, but these, you know, these types of laws, the assassin assassination of American citizens, right, without charge or trial, mm -hmm. like Sheikh Anwar al uh, him a lot and some of the other I mean his kids right uh, a number of other people um, probably had five or six American citizens that have been killed from the Obama years but and now into couldn't the you say years. that towards the end of his years he was saying some sure you can disagree with him theologically questionable you can, you can, you can disagree with him legally yeah like jurisprudentially you can say his fiqh was off and there were a number of ulama who engaged in that debate mm -hmm. with him um, but that's a different issue than an American president who in this case was Barack Hussein Obama, uh, may Allah guide him, the, uh, who decides unilaterally right, that this man seems dangerous. And there was a New York Times article about this um, before Obama's second election, something about how the secret kill list tests Obama's principles or something like this. There's a title like that. That's enough keywords for you to find the article. The, um, the, and the idea was that the CIA basically presents every morning, would present Obama with a number of names and faces and stories and say, you know, we think that these people should be killed. And Obama would personally go down the list and say, yes, yes, no, later, no, you know, please. and then assassinations would be would be ordered. Mostly these were non-American citizens, if that distinction matters to you. Um, but sometimes with the case of Sheikh Anwar al-Awlaki, uh, an American citizen. 
who probably um, constitutionally deserved some and, sort of trial and, and was then, never charged with a crime yeah okay. you know was never a trial never ensued which would have to result in a conviction right for a punishment a capital punishment to be carried out on someone like this legally by american by law, american law right? but he was determined to have joined a battlefield right I mean, there was no sign that he wasn't holding a gun to any American soldiers' heads, mm -hmm. right? But they said his ideas were so dangerous that he was now on the battlefield. He had committed treason and now could be assassinated. This is a case of outlawry, basically, that he's taken outside the law, right? And then is killed with impunity, right? Basically by a criminal gang, which in this case just happens to be run by the president of the United States. So this is the Joint Special Operations Command, which Jeremy Scahill's Dirty Wars oh, yeah. uh, documentary was all about. His book and documentary were all about. Um, this is outlawry, basically, you know, and now it's normalized, right? Using the 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 the, the, the category of the Muslim, right? In this case, the mm -hmm. Muslim is this is the person. And when you look at history, whether it was Greek and Roman, uh, whether it was Germanic, you know, Scandinavian law, and the word outlaw comes from Scandinavian languages uh, into English. Whether it was the the Norman, you know, law, English law, you see this throughout time, and even in American law, American history, legal history. You see that usually outlawry was used for political crimes or for crimes that got to the foundations of the society. And so Islamic terrorism, religiously sanctioned violence right, against the American state is seen as so, uh, so threatening. It's an existential mm -hmm. threat to yeah. the logic of the American state and to the logic of American supremacy in the world, right? that its followers are outlawed. Such that, and Ogamben mentioned this, mentioned this himself, that the, the prisoners who were brought to Guantanamo the detainees from Afghanistan, from Pakistan, who were taken in after 9-11, in the months after 9-11, were not considered prisoners of war. The Bush administration, when they went to the UN and went to, uh, or had to answer to the UN uh, related to issues, related to Guantanamo and its other prisons. Of course, we know about Guantanamo, but thousands of other prisoners are held in black sites around the world. Uh, they argued that these were not prisoners of war, right? Because POWs, also have a certain guaranteed set of rights, right? America argued that, no, we can torture and we can do anything that we want. We can detain them indefinitely, right? As long as we want, because these are some third category. Basically outside of the categories- as Prisoner of war, you fall under certain like uh, Geneva yeah. con conventions, conventions, whatever, yeah, like whatever you have list, like the Pieces rules. Pieces of paper that some governments have signed. You yeah, can at least sure. track yeah. where they've been. You right. can negotiate Something kind of like thing. That, yeah. But if yeah. you're on a blacklist, you're in a black box. You don't even, we don't even know who's there. Some people, their families must have thought them dead for 20 years. Who knows, right? Mm -hmm. Who knows? You know, it, it, it's male offering all of them. Uh, and so this is outlawry. Now, that was my master's thesis. And I wrote that, you know, I, I tried to do a quick, I did a, you know, the theoretical background using Giorgio Agamben, very interesting author, still alive today. Uh, and um, and then the legal precedent, the legal history, you know, to, to, to kind of get into the details of this. Like some of the things that we've talked about, literature, scholars of art, history, talking about the, the Robin Hood yeah. You know, example. This is a classic. I love movies about right? it. Tons of so yeah. most Logan. I, I, I can't say like, most, but but a great number of our movies of our cultural heroes, yeah. you know, are outlaws in a way, right? Rob, rob from the rich, give to the poor type idea. Um, now, I was interested in specifically, uh, you know, certain chapters of Muslim history in which we've played that role and sometimes embraced that role as well, um, and. To embrace it is a rejection of, of the law itself, to say that this law really does not apply to me, mm -hmm. or that I hold myself to a higher standard, or it's to embrace being an outsider to a political community, and to say, you reject me, I reject you. And so, 
you know, one example would be, for example, the Maroon Societies. The, there were many Muslims who were captured in mm-hmm. West Africa, enslaved, sold to Europeans, yes. right? And sold in the, in the Western Hemisphere. Um, many of those communities revolted, of course. You know, yeah. they, they weren't going to uh, just live out their days like this. Um, the, to the point that, um, you know, some of them were able to establish free communities um, in the outskirts of society, perhaps, uh, or beyond civilization, yes. quote unquote. Um, and these are called maroons. Um, to the point that Europeans at one point did not want Muslim slaves anymore, right? And requested, you know, slavers to not bring the Muslim slaves because the Muslims were too rebellious. Um, but the maroon is a great figure of an outlaw, right? Of a folk hero outlaw or someone who should be a folk hero. And mm-hmm. that's the type of Islamic history in America that I want to learn about and I want to teach my kids about. Two would be the pirates, for example. Um, great chapter, you know, long chapter in history of when, of the, the, the naval wars, basically, between the Ottomans and the British and the French and different European powers at the time for the Mediterranean, for the Atlantic, and the Muslims who were fighting right, this battle often were you know, understood as pirates right, to European powers. They were written as pirates because the Muslims were always these infidel outlaws right, to European Christianity. And so um, the Ottoman Navy, you know, I mean, some pirates became Ottoman Navy and some Ottoman Navy you know, just seemed like pirates. There were um, Europeans also who, who converted to Islam. Um, there's a whole book by um, Peter Lamborn Wilson, Pirate Utopias, you know, about, um, about the renegades. There's other books also written, but he's a Muslim writing it, uh, about the renegades, who were the European white converts to Islam, who fled to North Africa, became Muslim, married among the Muslims, and then went back to war against the European powers oh, as, as pirates or corsairs, whatever, you know, yeah. um, which intersects with American history now in the late 1700s, early 1800s, early 1800s, I should say, and uh, under Jefferson the Barbary pirates yes. you know, creates this is an international incident now um, another chapter and there's a couple other chapters of course I don't have to give you my whole dissertation outline right now um, but um, until today I'm, I'm curious now and I, I'd love to learn more from those Muslims who have understood fundamentally their rejection by American or Western let's say Western white Euro-American society Euro-American civilization right and therefore rejected it Right, embracing uh, a higher role, perhaps, um, and so you can see perhaps a direct line from this interest of mine, from of course an understanding of um, law, from an understanding of rights, an understanding of um, how do we move, right, with the American state. You know, how do we move within it? How do we move outside of it, around it, um, understanding it, whether in conflict or at times of peace. You mm-hmm. know, with it. Um, and so hopefully, you know, it's it's uh, this project may be of some use. I hope it's of some inspiration. It's certainly fun to research and to write uh, and to talk about. Um, but I hope that inshallah gives us a fuller picture. You know, after this pivot in American Muslim politics 20 years ago, 15 years ago, or over the last 15, 20 years, perhaps. Um, yeah, it's probably been a long time coming. Part of, but, uh, this is not something that's part of okay. uh, that discussion. Yeah. yeah, going back to what you were saying. <clears throat> so it seems like, you know, you, you have like an understanding of these overall grand narratives of of where Muslims have been, where we're going, how we're interacting, to, yeah. civilizationally, that kind of thing, where we fit in here. Mm-hmm. And I see, I, I think that these conversations were being had at some level, maybe early 2000s within the Muslim community yeah. and our engagement with the government and other yeah, yeah. Uh, groups. And I, I feel like now that discussion is, is long gone. Yeah. <laughs> now it's yeah. just, we're allies, we're allies, 
this, these were, were fighting for the same rights, we're all victims, we're all oppressed. Yeah. And I, I don't know about you, but um, I'm gonna let Munir chime in as well. I feel like it's the, 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 the discourse has become very soft. Yeah. Right? You know, mm-hmm. as Muslims, we're speaking up from a position of weakness and victimhood. Yeah. Uh, whereas back in the day, maybe we, you know, you, you know you're in the right, you know you have the truth, and you're going to do what you can within your means to, uh, uh, to, 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 to get your rights, essentially. Now it's coming from a place of weakness. And maybe so, you can link it to your studies in Sawari. Would you say how, how the link between that and you know the cry of Islamophobia at every yeah. which way you turn? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, every little thing is now Islamophobia. Yeah, which is and it's it's Islamophobia is now the grand narrative. This is why Muslims have been oppressed for however long. Because it's been Islamophobia, Islamophobia. Which I don't think the word Islamophobia makes sense, but we can probably no, talk. No, I agree. No, Islamophobia. The word itself is an appeal to liberal sensibilities, right? It's an appeal to in an imagined guilt, right, yeah. in the one listening, right? Um, and most complaints related to Islamophobia, you find, are appealing to some sense of, like, unfairness or injustice somehow, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so you're hoping that the listener feels bad, basically, or feels bullied, right, into not saying whatever it was that offended you. Um, I find this to be really weak, and, and it, there's also a very dangerous conflation um, between um, what is bigotry, right, what is, you know, speech that is threatening or inciting violence against Muslims, right? A conflation between that speech and speech which is just critical of Islam, right? Or the beliefs of Islam or the practices of Islam, right? Anytime someone publicly now, you know, says something that's critical of Islam, right? As a faith or or they disagree with one of our positions or Mm -hmm. practice of ours, right? People jump on them and say that this is Islamophobic to say in public, Right, so we're just driving it back into private, and I, I, I'm against this. You know, this I, is, I don't this think is, it's driving it back into a, private anymore. And, or I think it just makes it stronger. Knee, also, knee jerk reaction, a, like what? This is the First Amendment. This is my yeah. right. You want to take away? That's a good point too. Some people you know are I mean? not bullied away. Yeah, they're um, not bullied away. It's but I think even from our perspective, I mean, we, what do we want? We want people to just be nice to us. You know, everywhere that we go, we want people to just be nice to Muslims in public. Um, obviously, I want my my wife and daughter and myself. You know, my my all of my people. I want us to be safe. Yeah, right, no. that's something we can expect a certain amount of order. Right, a certain amount of safety. Well, we can't expect anything, but we should hope for, mm-hmm. right? If we're paying taxes or whatever, you know, um, these taxes seem to come with an expectation of protection or, or something like this, some type of security. Um, but um, to control, you know, all of the public discourse, it, it, it strikes me as as, as weak because we're depending on other institutions and the government itself now to sometimes police this speech, you know, on our behalf. You know, Ibn Khaldun uh, talks about in his to his history you know, he talks about these generational cycles right of people from the first if the first generation is like the nomad and humans broadly go through this but even families will go through this uh, and dynasties will go through this mm-hmm. right if the first generation the nomads are those who are tough right they're hard and they can survive right in mm-hmm. the desert um, gradually perhaps either in a dynasty you know cycle or broadly through human history you could see this when people settle people get softer right Labor is divided, of course. This is natural, right? But then order, political order is established. And he, you can almost hear him laughing in the text uh, that he talks about how when people move to the cities, they stop carrying weapons. And it, it's it's funny when you read this, you know, today in 2019, because of the discussion nationally, 
even broadly among American Muslims, right, about gun control and how you know only the government should have you know certain types of weapons, which is which so, to me is ridiculous, you know. Ridiculous. But um, but you know that could be a whole other debate, no doubt. No, this is this is I think uh, this is part of the us, ongoing yeah. discussion, right? Well, like you you ally yourself. I think Dr. Sherman we've Jackson, adopted the leftist or, or not even yeah. leftist, I should say, but the liberal, the Democratic Party logic mm-hmm. on these things. Yeah, he said, you know, if you climb a tower with a certain group, he said, I'm going to paraphrase here. You know, you, you're going to go up the mountain or go, climb up a ladder with a certain group. Well. When that group falls, you're going to go down with them. Yeah. And I think right now the left is kind of, it's going up and it's getting a little kooky. Yeah. Up yeah, there, yeah. You know, a lot of yeah. this stuff that's. Yeah, there's a little bit thinner. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, uh, we have to be very careful. You know, we have to maintain principles. We have to remind ourselves what our foundations are. Um, I think, you know, Islamophobia is, a, it's a, like you, like you suggested, you know, it's a reflection of our softness. It's a reflection of our inability to, to think for ourselves and to work for ourselves, right? To establish what we need. For ourselves, mm-hmm. right? We have tremendous resources, nationally at least. Of course, certain communities are much wealthier than other communities. Yeah. We, you know, we know this. But, but on average, but, we're probably the on richest average, minority. Right? If Muslims yeah. were able to think together, right? We're able to sit together and work together, yeah. make a plan together, and then actualize it, right? We would find that we have a lot of resources. We have a lot of manpower. You know, meaning time and skills, right? We have a lot of tremendous resources in our community um, that we'd be able to um, be a real powerhouse community that could work as a community i'm not saying this you know for some like soft patriotic like we're going to make america great because we're model immigrants stuck for the law like that's not my vision at all rather that if we form a community and we work as a community we can also be a political community that then is able to now send leadership to talk to the state right and deal with the state at the state level and say you know that we're a community and we understand ourselves to be this way we understand our rights to be this and this is the agreement that we'd like to strike we'd like to revisit this social contract right why, and, why do you think uh, that's it's a bad thing to kind of aspire to change our society through our own values no we should it's just a matter of priorities i think i, I think it's a um like not that whole make know, america that's way. like that, not the slogan make america, <laughs> no, america no. great but actually make it make no, the place we're doing we our live, job of course it would be great uh, i think uh, rather my focus is on the difference between thinking as individuals right and showing up to the the society as individuals who are going to contribute directly into the society rather than thinking of ourselves as a community who are going to work together and our allegiance is to each other with the intention of benefiting everybody not mm. just muslims but all of society i mean we're here for for people animals and plants like we we, mm-hmm. we are khulafa right no matter where we are whether we have power or not and it's not about power and it's not about control either i think that's the other extreme sometimes that people conflate these things it's about being of service, but it's about working together among people, and we have a common ethical frame, right? There's a there's a, a a coherence that we should have together, that Muslims should have together, because we have, I mean, a textual foundation, yeah. like a literal textual foundation for our tradition, right? Which provides us a discursive tradition, right? Something that we, like we're able to talk to each other and have certain common assumptions. Of course, there's exceptions. I know not all Muslims deal with these texts the same way. I know that's part of what we're talking about here to begin with, but broadly you know we're going to have more coherence amongst ourselves than we would necessarily with someone with a completely different foundation that should allow us to be more dynamic right in how we produce in what we produce in how we serve you know the society broadly right and if we live according to that model i mean we'd find you know that you know we're not waiting or no one forget us that our neighbors aren't waiting on the state to provide them their benefits they should know every person in america should know that they could go to the masjid to eat Right, that they could go to the masjid and drop their kids off, Muslim or not, 
to get a good education, right? These are things that we should be providing from within ourselves. You know, mm-hmm. we don't need the government for these things. I, I, God forbid I ever have to turn over my child to the state, you know, to be fed or to be educated. The, these are things that the Muslims should be leading on, right? But it's, we're only able to do that, I think, at least right now, maybe, uh, you know, a couple decades of bad experience might make me think differently, but I hope that we can do that better as Muslims you know, than we could necessarily in random. Do you, do you think the reason we have, so what hasn't been said explicitly, oh. there's, there's issues in the way we're being represented in politics as Muslims, right? Sure. Do you think a lot of that stems from not having a coherent, like this is our political stance as Muslims nationwide, like this is what we stand for, and this is who we are, and then we're going to go forth. But it seems like we have one, okay, the first Muslim woman here and the second Muslim woman there. And yeah, the first. Yeah, I know, I know. I, I, it's 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 because we have small visions, right? We want to be yeah. the first this. And, you know, it's it, there's an excitement right, about, yes. about representation, right? And, again, I can empathize. I get it. That's the end goal like, now. We grew up with, like, Aladdin. Like, you know, like, and now here we are with Aladdin again. And at least we've matured <laughs> enough. Like, when we were kids, we were like, we saw ourselves in Aladdin, right? Now... At least we've matured enough to complain about Aladdin. Mm-hmm. Maybe by the next time they remake Aladdin, we'll have matured to know that we should just be making our own movies. Mm-hmm. Like we should just be making our own, producing our own culture. That that might it might take another generation, but yeah. we need to get there, inshallah. Some people are on it, you know, but broadly. So I, I no, think we yeah. should. We've been talking a lot, like a high level. I think we should bring it down sure, to specifics. Sure, sure, sure. Um, yeah. You know, so the the nothing more specific than Aladdin, though. <laughs> <laughs> specifically on. Uh, you know, forming coalitions with, yeah. you know, the biggest one right now. You know, you yeah, have abortion, abortion rights. Mm. Uh, uh, you know, my my body, my choice. You know, people out there sure. saying women, my body, my choice, which we know is actually un-Islamic. It's not your body, and it's not your choice. Um, God, it's God's body. It's His. You know, and He told you what to do with it. Subhanahu wa taala. And uh, LGBTQ. Yeah. Plus. Yeah. You know, that's where we're at. Plus plus section. Yeah. yeah. Plus plus. Yeah, growing this. So, (laughs) and it's, I think right now, going back to what you were saying about uh, outlawing, the outlawing the Muslim, right? And maybe this Muslim never even did anything. It's just what he was saying or what they were saying. Then they were casted out. I think that is now actually the, the uh, actual course of the liberal left, right? Oh, you, you're saying so-and-so about women. That is, that is violence. Yeah. Right, even you just disagree. That's the, violence. The, the limits of liberal tolerance. Yeah, exactly. Yes, uh, and you, you're only tolerant of your own group. Sure. Anyone else? Sure. Everyone else is now thrown out by the wayside. Sure. So, do you think it's even useful anymore for Muslims to be engaging <laughs> with these groups? Not even useful, yeah. but how do we engage with our so-called political activists who are wholeheartedly, willingly, kind of just in it, in it with these groups? And it yeah. doesn't seem like it, it seems like they're accelerating. Yeah, yeah. I. Except he said, accelerating made me think of something that Sheikh Abdul Hakim Murad, T.J. Winters, wrote. Uh, yeah, may Allah, uh, may Allah preserve him. He's preserve one of, him was one of the actual scholars. Still, he's a real scholar. He's, he's a, a real he's scholar. A real, he's an yeah, a real alim, yeah. And, and I don't say that because I'm someone to be qualified to rate such a thing, but because he, because uh, his his peers, you know, uh, say so. The uh, I remember him saying something about acceleration that the the ancients. You know, the, the traditional people, you know, knew that uh, acceleration was a sign that you're going downhill, not up. Oh. That you're descending, not ascending. You know, it's interesting. You know, it's more than just a play on words. Um, I think that... Um, <laughs> subhanAllah, never right? Yeah, subhanAllah. The, I think that the, the 
issue of coalition work, honestly, I'm more afraid for, or I'm more worried about or concerned by the Muslim activists who are engaging in these spaces, you know, without strong foundations, than in their partners, you know, from other faith traditions or none. Like, mm -hmm. those people, I mean, we have to understand, of course, people are raised, you know, they're raised by their families, by their communities. These people don't necessarily have, almost surely do not have the same ethical foundations that we have fought to understand and to internalize and to actualize, okay? Um, people, I mean, when it comes to women's issues, I mean, of course, women have were born and raised, you know, in societies that have been very difficult for them broadly, right, to d differing degrees. Mm -hmm. um, and in terms of issues of sexual deviance and these different identities, right, very difficult issue. I can only imagine. Like, I, it, it's, it's, it must be tremendously difficult, right, to be raised in a society, right, to feel things, right, to whether because of childhood traumas or because of early exposure or any number of things, to then feel physical attractions that would seem perfectly natural to someone who has not been prepared for such a thing, um, and to feel that they should be in this land of freedom, you know, be able to act you know, in any way that they want, as long as it does not harm other people, right? This is the principle, mm -hmm. arguably, right? This is supposed to be the principle of liberal governance. Is There's it? limits to that, um, of course. With well, limits, of course, yeah. you know, yeah. but theoretically, like this Empathizing, is- Empathizing, not a yeah. justifying. This yeah. is exactly, yeah. exactly. I'm, I'm, I, I think we have, to, we have to understand, yes. right? You know, every individual, what path they came along to get to the point that they're in now. Um, and that, that experience that I just described could happen to a non-Muslim, it could also happen to a Muslim youth who was not given necessarily the ethical foundation yeah. right to understand how do we deal with issues of attraction how do we deal with issues of sex and marriage and you know all of these which things which is probably right? the majority which is the majority yeah. like and that's a real so honestly when i look around today and i see muslims being confused right about how to deal with issues like this what is our position how fixed is the islamic position that's a, a big question really that's that's central to a lot of this how fixed is the islamic position on issues of sexuality and this and that mm -hmm. um I can I understand perfectly why they're so confused because they were not taught yes. right. People were not taught right how Islamic our foundation. School, Sunday right? school is not an education. Like Sunday school, like if you if you're learning a few words of Arabic, if you're learning some short sorters of Quran, right, then your parents got what they paid for from Sunday school. You're not learning usul of fiqh, right? Everyone should be learning a little bit of usul of fiqh. Like everyone should be learning aqidah and and, and fiqh and, and and the principles of of deriving them and this intellectual tradition. You know how has the Quran been you know revealed and compiled and, yeah exactly yeah, yeah. preserved hadith. um how is it understood right hadith you know like these are things that we all need to know um but people are not being taught now then you know we go to college right and we have to we want to meet the needs of the day we have friends from different communities I mean, we weren't raised in only muslim communities we were yeah. raised with you know it's a very confusing time very confusing world or maybe we were sheltered until a certain point and then released you know into a much more confusing <laughs> world even you know that happens a lot as well yeah. right and you find these are great people you find that some of these people they seem very nice they're very loving people they're right? very nice you and know? that's what's so and, attractive and, and attractive and, to the and group. you know they have complaints they have they have uh feelings of uh, that they have been oppressed in certain ways mm. right um, you know, so, you know, briefly, the, the, the you know, I, I understand very well, <clears throat> you know, and, oh, the point that I was making that, that, you know, some of the complaints, you know, of course, you know, that whether it's, well, minorities, however you define them, the women might not be a minority, but, you know, uh, oppressed groups, you know, you know, some of these complaints are, are valid, of course, you know, and I think even in Islamic societies, traditionally, 
you found that there was a respect for people's privacy you know strictly right there was there was a, it was very important you know to respect people's privacy um the culture was different you know of course and people lived differently right families lived differently on average perhaps uh than they do now um but um you know muslims were not using their political control you know to control of course minute aspects of people's life this is where iman comes in right this is where taqwa you know comes in at some level we are supposed to police ourselves of course um once we're beyond the reach of family and, mm -hmm. and, and community you know this is this is natural um there's a lot of confusion around these questions i know you know for young muslims right who don't have these ethical foundations or who don't have the intellectual foundations right for for our ethical system for islam for this deen and so um this has resulted in right a political I don't want to say political class, but an activist class almost, right? Um, that has gotten into the work out of a sense of urgency, which is valid, right? I think I consider myself one of those people. I got into this work before I was, you know, spiritually prepared for it or intellectually prepared for it. Like, I certainly was not. You know, 22 years old, I was a knucklehead, you know, but... It was urgent. We felt it was urgent. You know, I wasn't going to go work for a bank or, or this or that. I wanted to you know, get involved with the community and help the community, defend the community, you know, defend our people, right? Um, and I think a lot of people show up with that spirit, right? And they sacrifice something, you know, to, to, to act on it. Um, but, you know, without that training, without the support of scholars, right, who understand what we're dealing with, uh, we're going to um, find ourselves stuck deeper and deeper right in a chaos in an ignorance and a compound ignorance mm -hmm. right um it's really it's a it's a it's a very real thing right and the more that silos form right of of discourse right the more that we're only speaking to people in the same space the more you'll find that bad found that buildings are built you know on top of really horrible foundations uh, excuse me for mixing metaphors here, but the the the, the confusion. I'm a civil now, engineer. I followed yeah, along. You, just you got it. Okay, good. good. <laughs> the, the I've been living in Turkey too long. My English has really declined in the last four years. But the I, I think that um, for so for young Muslims right now in these spaces, you know, my advice to to them and to me to us, you know, it's not um, I'm not certainly not preaching at anybody. This is something that I'm trying to. Uh, do myself right is to learn right is to study this dean right to understand its foundations to understand its history mm -hmm. to understand i mean if something has been pretty much decided upon for 1400 years i i doubt that's only a 14 year old kid on tumblr just learned you know the higher ethical truth you know than the rasulullah like this is this is it's a really dangerous um so you're attitude about going right? back learning like a basic a basic we gotta do all that no we have to go you know what i mean just i mean this like, is i mean in uh, like not, not to be like back in the day but back no, in the no, day specific, right? was that was, right? that was like your what? elementary education yeah right yeah. this is not our elementary education anymore right very few young muslims are being taught we, you know we, they're we don't far know the fiqh of prayer even, i mean be honest we don't know how to clean ourselves and then we're going and like speaking of something 10th level it's absolutely absolutely and again you know i'm I, I have to continually say like this is not something we're not preaching and anybody here like I'm doing this myself like I'm literally trying to 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 solve these problems myself for myself and for my family uh, so we have to study 
you know you have no. to learn aqidah you have to learn fiqh you have to you have to learn like i said so fiqh is islamic uh, rulings aqidah so, so is just translate beliefs. for yeah let's okay. okay so most basically what do we believe and why that's aqidah right yeah mm-hmm. how do we know what we know to be true right mm-hmm. maybe okay. this is aqidah maybe this is mantik okay. like this is logic maybe logic. you know epistemology, epistemology if you want to get into the academic i hate the academic language but you know this this is what it is how do we know what we know what is that knowledge yep right so if we know that Allah is one, that Muhammad ibn Abdullah is his messenger, right? Peace and blessings of God be upon him and his family. The, you know, if, if these are our foundations, okay, then how do we approach the Quran as a divine speech? How do we approach the hadith, the body of hadith, and the sunnah, really, mm-hmm. as the prophetic example, the prophetic tradition, right? These become our sources, right? Alongside our rational faculty, right? And our ability to, to interpret information. Now, this is the foundation, right? That belief alone would solve most of our problems, right? Mm. But now from there, right, then of course you build upon yep. that fiqh, right? Once I know God being, exists and he said this, yeah. then it's okay. okay now, now I understand why do I'm that. doing yeah, yeah, exactly. What do I do exactly. with that knowledge? Yeah. And I mean, with fiqh, right, you have to build upon iman, right? You, oh, that's what I was going to say. I, my, my, my own life, you yeah, know, so I, you're consider, I consider myself a revert as well. Yeah. And so I had to go through that process. So, so what, what brought um, you to Islam? Even if I identified with is and I'll, I'll try to make this even relevant to your okay. previous question though too you know that you know even though i identified politically with islam you know i was i'm half irish i'm half iranian right as an iranian even a half iranian i was very proud of my culture and you know you grow up in a war mentality because iran has been a garrison state since 1979 i mean this has been um it's been under siege okay. you know uh, from western powers for that period and longer the um I felt kind of Muslim, right? Especially growing up in a white town, and and and, and you know, always I was always kind of raced, you know, as as like immigrant or or, or whatever, however you define that ambiguous brown, light brown uh, kind of category of people, uh, sloppy categories, but in a white town, very clear. The um, but after that, right, you still have to go through a process of understanding, right? Well, what is this built on? You know, Islam is not just an identity, right? To be a Muslim is not an identity. Um, it doesn't matter who your parents are, mm-hmm. right? Or their nationality, right? Or even what language you speak, that's not Islam, right? And so you have to decide, okay, what do Muslims believe? What is the foundations of this? And then so you go, Quran, Sunnah, right? Then from a position of Iman, once that clicks, you know, once that, you know, once you've really submitted to that, right? Yeah. Once, once you have entered Islam, right? Um, now, fiqh, or the law, jurisprudence, right, is built upon that foundation. Right? Kids aren't always raised that way, of course, right? Either we don't feel like we can, or kids, you know, maybe are not ready for certain almost. levels like, of, you know, I don't know. I, I haven't, my, my daughter's only 18 months. We'll see. You know, I, it's, it's all one big social experiment, I guess. But, but I, I, you know, fiqh should be built on that. And, whereas kids often grow up where, with Islam as like a set of rules and mm-hmm. things that their parents want them to do. You know, and you're ideally, taught not to ask questions. Yeah, and you're taught to they ask never questions. Ask questions. And, and that's true. And you yeah. know, they did what they could. You know, they they, they taught as they were taught. Um, you know, because of the diversity that we have here, we're able to to and the way that we've learned Islam for ourselves in this generation, not just here physically, but with the internet and you know, Muslim oh, culture yeah. as it is. You know, we need more. You know, we need, but we can benefit more. Mm-hmm. You know, from having that, and so people need to study. Exactly, your farthain, like your personal, what knowledge is personally obligatory on you to know. Like there's certain things that every adult, meaning post-puberty, not like post-18, like that every Muslim adult needs to know for themselves, right? That are priorities. And this is 
again your fickle worship like of mm-hmm. how to how to clean yourself and pray and fast you know like, and give charity right there's the things that um you know part of every person's life like the fit that you need to work like related to your job you know what are the things that you need to know you know when you go to work and related to your profession to your trade um before you get married you need to know you know the fickle yeah. family even as a child you need to know the fickle family you know like what what do you owe your parents what do you owe your siblings for example you know, and, mm-hmm. and et cetera et cetera um these are things that we need to know also again i mean just sharing what i've learned from my teachers we need a little test kit and nefs like we need we need you know some you don't not everyone has to join a tariqa and, and you know give allegiance right to a sheikh like a sufi order yani um we don't need some self-development um, yeah but we need to at least purify the soul you know purify the heart um we all have these and this is natural it's part of being human you know that struggle of instincts and higher uh instincts i should say animal instincts and, yes. and angelic instincts as Imam Ghazali would say and so you know we need arguably it's easier you know having a spiritual doctor you know having a sheikh you know help you through that or having role models you can have multiple yeah. you know teachers in, in this regard um but we need to have some kind of discipline for ourselves to 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 be better people to make ourselves better people that makes us more effective activists right if we have the knowledge and we have the practice on that knowledge right we have we're living you know according to that knowledge we're going to be better people we're going to be better people of dawah people of invitation we're going to be better public servants right people of hidma mm-hmm. you know we're going to um we're going to be prepared hopefully right we're going to have the strength of will the strength of knowledge um to go into a situation with people who we have different foundations right and different expectations for our lives even different long-term goals and maybe even then still be able to work towards short and mid-term solutions right political solutions po- possibly again i i don't know you know we're, we're, still, we're still trying to figure these things out um but i think that those things are maybe not prerequisites in terms of time because again by the time we're we realize it's a problem it's already too late but at least ways that we can rectify ourselves so would you think that right now or would you say that right now i think the muslim community here maybe specifically in america Mm. where we're i would categorize us as like meccan muslims (laughs) yeah yeah, you know what i mean like during the meccan period uh we're work you know essentially during that time i think the biggest islamophobes during that time were the (laughs) <laughs> right. You could say they were the Meccans, right? Actively fighting against Muslims. Actively. Yeah, Islamophobes. Honestly, you know I, what I mean. I hate, that's why I hate this phobia thing. It's, it's not kufr, kufr. Like not, let's not, just call it what it is. If, if, bigotry, if kufr. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Drop the K word. Yes, yes. Oh, <laughs> that's kufr. Like you know, you 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 don't have to practice what we're on, right? Yeah. We have a name for that, right? I'm not going to say you're afraid of us. They might not be, you know. Anyway, sorry to, to No, no, no. That's, that's... We talked about Islamophobia a little earlier. Yeah. And I really think even we have to change that frame. We identified it as a bad one, but we can change the frame as well. The, pho- the, the phobia yeah, yeah. doesn't make sense. Because yeah. if someone is, like, has a phobia, like, yeah. you know, uh, if you're afraid of spiders, if, you have a, if you're arachnophobic, yeah. if you yeah, see yeah. a spider, you are going to bolt out of the room. Yeah. You know, yeah. they're not going to campaign against a spider, which is what happens with Muslims. They're not Islamophobic. <laughs> right, right. They just don't like you. Yeah. Which I've, is, had, I've had very few people bolt out of the room when they saw me. It's happened a couple times, but not, not every time. <laughs> Maybe you know? they were actually Islamophobic. But, but a lot of them. <laughs> but, but, but according to the polls, more than 50% of the people in this country are perfectly fine with their government bombing people like me. Right? Yeah. And that is that Islamophobia. You know, some people have tried to you know, define Islamophobia in a way that includes that, right? But that doesn't really appeal when to we me. Adopt this, that's not when we adopt is, this right? language, I mean, this is exactly why we have this LGBT 
issue with conflating with politics because we we take on this vocab we say oh islamophobia because you're against our religion you're you're a bigot etc then they say your quran says the gay community was turned over and destroyed in a fire right. of stones you know a yeah. rain of stones right. that makes you homophobes yeah you know we yeah. say no we're not homophobe homophobia oh no now we're bigots too because we took their language and now they're just turning it back on us and it's it true. causes you to go reinterpret like yeah. no 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 yeah. they, it was because they were rapists not and it now you are now you are getting into a state of yeah. kufr you know, that's, yeah 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 change you know of what the, I mean change of the book yeah who's exactly. who you are lied to here. we it's really fun. need to think like, where do these terms come from we're just yeah. adopting like, which is a lot of it's liberal language we just we take it without thinking for two seconds and say yeah we'll we'll speak their language and try and do it but then you you just go so far in you're so deep you forget where the foundation because there is no foundation I mean we wanted a word uh, we <laughs> I had no part of this, you did. but, but uh, <laughs> yeah. we, uh, our elders, right, yes, or, or our colleagues, right, wanted a word, and want a word, that is like the Muslim version of anti-Semitism. Yes. Right? Now, and it's funny, because anti-Semitism is another completely incoherent concept, right, at least the way it's... Because Semites, yeah, you know, Arabs. Um, Arab. Is there such thing as anti-Jewish bigotry? Of course there is, you know, some people really do not like Jews, you know, yeah. most of this country also does not like Jews, you know, very much. In fact, most of the people that don't like Muslims also don't like Jews very much either, you know, the tremendous correlation, I remember, at least going back to the numbers in 2010. But, you know, it's not a, a, a first of all, Jews have a very different sense of themselves and what defines a Jew, right, than Drastically how Muslim, yeah. how Muslim Well, they, they themselves right? have now, I think, have kind of di- and there's there's, a And of course, you know, there's you have some, the secular Jew, you have the complete orthodox. Of course, of course. But of they, course. they meet at that right. point of... Or that there's also a, a more of a, um, it seems like there's a, there's more importance placed on bloodline also. Yes. Right. I suppose I, I remember like Shine converted to Judaism in prison like years ago or something. I know it can happen, but it's it's not the priority for them, right? Mostly it's a bloodline religion, um, whereas Islam is almost exactly the opposite, right? You cannot inherit so this. Yeah. Right away, you know, we're going to have some confusion, right? About what are the what are what are we what are we complaining about? What are we criticizing when we identify something as Islamophobic? Right? When we say that that's Islamophobic, or when we look at the number of things which are defined as Islamophobic. In last month, I was telling you guys, I was in UC Berkeley, mm. uh, Dr. Hatem Bazian's uh, Islamophobic mm. Conference, and I presented my master's thesis, which I told you guys a bit about. Um, up there, and I saw a tremendous diversity, right, of definitions, and half of the conference is just people arguing about how they define Islamophobia. Um, Sometimes it's useful, you know, again, sometimes it's not. Um, but we've adopted, you know, these yeah. frames, which are disempowering, which are disempowering. Yes. You know, we need to be able to, to you know, have a clear worldview, rooted. And this is not like, you know, Islam is not a, like a mythology, like other mythologies. Like yes. we're not just like, you know, doing science fiction here. Like we, this is the primordial religion, Right. This is the perfected way of life, right? Prophet after prophet, warner after warner, messenger after messenger, you know, building, right, this thing until the perfection of it, right, the completion of it with Muhammad ibn Abdullah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, you know, in, within reach of the historical record such that now the divine text, the book of Allah and the prophetic example is able to reach us, right, with confidence, Mm. with immaculate confidence right now 1400 some years later right this that's an amazing thing it's a beautiful thing right if we present it as a beautiful thing right if we if we know ourselves how beautiful it is it's beautiful with or without us but if we understand how you know amazing that is and then help 
our colleagues, our friends, right, and our next generation, our children. You know, may Allah raise them to be Amen. righteous, Amen. you know, Amen. servants of their people, leaders of the, of the righteous. The, if we can make that link, right, then we will have done a tremendous service, right? Hmm. I think that we, of course, you know, the urgency, right, is we understand the urgency because of the confusion of this time. You know, we are so, uh, rightfully, to an extent, concerned about the erosion of the deen. Right. I think that's more of an urgency um, than anything else at this point. I know, you know, I, I, I've, a, I've heard that argument. I believe it to an extent. And that's why I think, especially the longer that you spend in work like this, you find a number of us then turn to, you know, my work really started looking externally, right? And then the more that you deal with Muslims, you start realizing the problems that we have inside of our community, right? And then your attention starts to now focus, you know, on the internal problems. I went through this myself, you know, and even yeah. still, I mean, you see the types of questions that I'm working on involve both, right? But... I focus a lot on what are we doing, right? And partly that's a reflection of the cosmological reality that we'll always have enemies. We'll always have enemies. Allah never promised us a time where we'll be at perfect peace until the very last days. You know, mm -hmm. this is not for us, you know, to see or to worry about right now. We're not. We shouldn't be complaining, right? Oh my God, we have so many oppressors. You know, that that would be ridiculous. We said, Alhamdulillah, what a time to be alive. Let's defeat these and then move on to the next. Right? We have a path you know, for how to deal with these things. Right? This is also part of our tradition. This is part of this, the, the sunnah. This mm -hmm. is part of the prophetic example. Right? And also a part of the Quranic stories, you know, or a feature, a lesson taught by a number of the Quranic stories mm -hmm. right, that were revealed. And so for us, you know, it's a great opportunity. Right? This confusion, again, I, I, I understand it. I think we need to be clear. How I think do we, we need to be clear, and we need scholars to be clear. On the know, point of being clear, about things, yeah. I, I want to I ask you a direct question sure, on that, sure. actually. Okay, thanks. How do we engage with these quote-unquote activists who have now become certain household name Muslim celebrities? Yeah. You know, and, and they, they visibly look Muslim. Sure. You know what I mean? They're very Muslim-looking, yeah, sure, 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 if you know what sure, I mean. I know, yeah. I do. How do we engage with them? Because sometimes the, the things they're saying and the things they're doing are just outright incorrect. Yeah. They're wrong. Yeah. And then you have... You know, Muslims, Muslim conferences bring them on, Muslim messages bring them on, and they yeah, portray yeah. them as someone who's a yeah. role model. Yeah. And yeah. you don't want to look like that. Uh, you don't want to be that guy. You don't want I to be know. that guy. I know. Because you, you, as soon as you become that, I feel like everyone's so emotional. As soon as you become that guy, people stop listening. You could be saying something very true, but as soon as, oh, guy's crazy. Yeah. They'll cut you off. All right. Yeah. And then Messiah's here, they have a quote unquote like speaker blacklist. Every time someone says something, they, they don't invite him again because, really? oh, you know, remember he said something, so people aren't comfortable with him coming to our talks anymore. We, if we invite him, so and so won't show up and we can't, we don't want to lose attendees. Or I think I'm on a list like that. I don't know. Probably. You're probably on many lists at this point. I'm on a few of these. <laughs> Oh, I, no. thi yeah. I, I think oh, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not shocked I've heard of things like this but it's, and this uh, could be as simple as someone saying oh a, a, a wife wants to be led by her husband a wife wants to see a leader in her this husband this is pretty like close to the truth this story. is pretty yeah, yeah this is actually problematic and now. someone was like oh I can't believe you would say that a woman has her own agency I was like what do you mean by agency yeah. you know yeah. what, what was some other I don't even want to get into it yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got too many yeah <laughs> No, I, I most places that I get invited. Um, if I get invited at all, then One time. I'm, I'm given a list of things to not oh, okay. to not touch. Yeah, really. Um, that's which I usually violate and then never get invited back again. Uh, but that's uh, you know, that's I make that a priority of mine. Um, <laughs> but I think that uh, it's a tough one. You know, we have to understand where people are at. Okay. And would in general, I mean, you know, 
of course, you know, our conversation here will mostly, you know, uh, go to the internet. I imagine we we need to be, we need to, as much as possible, meet people where they're at. But then, of course, while speaking on the internet, right, understand that everyone hears this, no matter where they are at, right. The beauty of the the Sheikh student relationship, the teacher student relationship, is that the teacher is supposed to know his students and know what do they need to hear to get them to the next level, right. Mm. Dawa works this way. Right, that some people need to hear a certain thing at some time, at one time, and then they need to hear something different a month later, and then six months later, and two years later. You know, this is part of the development yeah. of the student, part any human being, any relationship that you have. Right, you're going to um, good teaching. You know, good companionship. Right, is being what your companion needs, um, and our community is this way too. You know, I think um, on the one hand, the person themselves. The, the individual themselves okay right who who finds themselves in a position like this or has put themselves in a position like this no. right of being the Muslim spokesperson or the Muslim political expert or political leader um, or you know national imam well you know whatever yeah. for example right um, if I mean they're Muslims arguably right they unless you know barring major statements of Kufr and that would be for the scholars to parse out and May Allah give them the strength, you know, to, to answer those questions honestly as well, because they have their own politics as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but so we always, I think, my, my approach, you know, someone might disagree, but I would always try to approach people with love. I think you have to, you know, have a sense of empathy, have a sense of love. You understand that this person is a product of their environment. They've been on a journey, right? They understand things in a certain way based mm-hmm. on what they've learned. You know, I would assume the best intentions. And you find a lot of these people often do have good intentions sometimes yes sometimes no you know Allah knows best but that's for a lot to, to, to judge um, we can only look at impact we have to look at the impact of actions right and address them accordingly but still from a, a process of from a background of a foundation of love and first I, you have to communicate privately I think you have to reach out and try to see what can be done you know to mm-hmm. to to fix some of these misunderstandings right if uh, sometimes they genuinely don't know some people are open and sometimes you'll find even people who seem like really aloof and really you know like they're famous people if you reach out you know they'll accept feedback they'll discuss with you they'll share their proofs and you can go back and forth sometimes people will even move publicly it's a great thing to see it's an amazing thing may Allah give us humility you know strength but also humility Mm -hmm. Um, now if that doesn't work and often it doesn't you get the Daniel Hakikuji reaction and then there's that reaction you know Um, but then organizations inviting the people Okay, that's another level, right? People who are in organizational leadership, right? You can approach them a certain way, mm. right? What are they looking for? What do they need? Are they just are they trying to teach Islam, or are they trying to uplift Muslims, or do they just want to fill seats, right? Are they trying to sell advertisements in their in their conference booklet, you know, whatever book. it is? Yeah. But yeah, and again, and these are open, human things. Like they, we don't want to that. sell the dean for this, but you know, this is and I hate when I hear that people say this. Because I've heard it, yeah. you know, that hurts me so much because this is Islam. We're talking. We're, talking about the dean here we're not yeah. talking about you know a baseball game you know we're, this is this is serious stuff um and kids minds these are children's minds and adults minds you know the minds of the believers the hearts of the believers that we're playing with here um but you have to approach them and again sometimes you need scholarship behind you you know to to make that case and some organizations respond better to that than others mm. some some organizations will say you know subhanallah i didn't know about that you're absolutely right and they've canceled people like I, the organizations have pulled people from their rosters yeah, after complaints. Yeah. It happens once in a while, you know. Yeah. Not some of the people that you may be referencing, but I, you know, the but UK, others. You know. The UK seems to be um, 
generally more responsive more to those responsive kinds to scholarship of scholarship and to push back. Yeah, they, I think they have. A, it's not a big yeah. one last year. I think they pulled. Isn't that the, the, guy. Pulled the, yeah. the MLA I, guy? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Alhamdulillah. That was yeah, and we need more of that. And that was because of a lot of private negotiation. Obviously, there was some public too, and you know, a little public yeah. heat. It helps, start. It starts public, you know, right? And then, but or you know, one or the other, yeah. or at the same time, you know, there are other yeah. things that. You know, after I left CARE, there was there were other instances with instances with CARE inviting people that were really problematic, and we were able to do the inside outside game. You know, it, it's mm-hmm. important because better organizations, good organizations, are going to be responsible and responsive, right, to their yeah. base, right. Um, the more grassroots the organization is, the more they have to be responsive to their base. The more that their money is coming from a few big donors or from governments, God forbid, you know, then it's they're going to be free Those to do whatever they canceled, want, yeah. and their agenda is going to go. <laughs> their agenda is going to go with where their donors' agenda yeah. is. Yep. That's just kind of natural. It doesn't even have to be malicious, right? That's just kind of a natural process. And unfortunately, you know, like if we speak about like last year's Isna pulling Ani, maybe the only reason is because it's MLI and that's popular to hate on today. Yeah, yeah. that was. And that was like a social justice like, cause yeah, rather than exactly. like an Islamic so, cause. But then know? you could invite XYZ although, person. Who, although I think they did also mention some other statements that he had made. Yeah, there was a couple of You know, for what that's worth. Yeah. Now, um, and not to make it about him as an individual. No, not he's at all. not. He never struck me as being tremendously important, but it's. Uh, but it was an Which important it, well, case. It was easy. But it was an important case, you know, to yeah. like, you know, show that, again, like, this is how these things happen. Like these are how these things get normalized, and also how we can push back against normalization. Great, you know, lesson learned. Let's keep that up. Let's maintain that position and then yeah. go harder. Um, now, for average people, again, not for like a lay person, right? This, this is who may have loved. Like you know, I know people get excited when they see a Muslim right on TV, right? When they see you know a Muslim getting some celebrity with other celebrities, right? That's something that's really powerful to people. Again, this is a natural human reaction. Like, we're not above this. Mm. You know, maybe we can try to be, but mm-hmm. broadly we're not, you know. Um, we like seeing people do well. We like seeing Muslims succeed. We like seeing Muslims with the lights on them, right? Which is why we, you know, we celebrate when there's, like, a Muslim model or a Muslim, uh, you know, <laughs> celebrity or athlete or, you know, whatever it is. And yeah. fine. You know, sometimes that can be a good thing, right? Mm-hmm. I think, you know, like Muhammad Ali, Ibrahim Allah, like he, he's a great example of this, you know, someone who can glorify Allah, you know, through his public celebrity, right? That's a great thing, right? But he believed in Allah, like, and he, and he, and he, he would he, say he it on, stand, like, he yeah. went hard, right? And he, he did he not would, play with it. He would say things um, that if you say nowadays, you say, oh, you're unpatriotic or something, yeah. or you, oh, you, facts, you would, yeah, yeah. you would not be put on the media yeah, if you were facts. saying stuff like that. He was not a pro-military, you know, yeah. uh, thank America type of guy. No. Um, now for, for lay people, I mean, I think, you know, you need to, Again, you need to build from foundations. I think most people, when they're hearing critiques of people, they would say like, they would say, oh, well, this person, you know, said this, this, and that, X, Y, Z. A lay person would hear that, and you say this critically. A lay person would hear that and say, well, what's wrong with that? I believe that too. You're going to find that more than you'd like, no. right? You're going to find, you know, bro, you're going to find that these ideas are more representative of a majority of American Muslims than we'd be comfortable with. Right. No, for sure. Um, and so we need to build on foundations that are strong. Like we need to. This is what is Meccan about our period now. You know, I don't love you know that division of everything. You know, but this is that's what's especially true about right now is that we need to build people's iman, right? We need, you know, we have some madaris, you know, but we need Dar al-Arkham to broadly, you know, train our community within, right, yeah. such that they're stronger and more knowledgeable to then build a social reality that new muslims can enter and get straight to work in right remember darla arkham was not something forever i mean of course people had the companionship this of the, the, this house, is the now, house right? but sorry, this is the this is the, the house in mecca yeah. right which was dedicated to 
studying for yeah for people to learn from the Prophet to to learn Quran and to 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 learn Islam to to begin practicing to build their strength. These are the earliest Sahaba, the earliest Mm. companions of the Prophet, right? Now, not every person that became a Muslim during the life of the Prophet then had to spend ten years in school, you know, before doing anything. No, right? Because by that time they had built a reality, they had built a community such that someone entering say, okay, great, you gave your shahada now. You know the army's marching out that way, or we need you on this post. You know over here, right? That's important, right? But we need that groundwork, you know. So then you can then come to a people, a population, and say, like, listen, like, you know, what this leader or what this person is saying does not align with the beliefs that they claim, right? The beliefs that we hold, mm-hmm. right? Um, usually that would be enough, probably, to rein that leader back in, or to at least pretend. To mm-hmm. right or that's the process by which a people is awakened right mm. to uh, the need to choose different leadership right or to rally behind different leadership. I'm not an anti-leadership guy. I'm not a complete anarchist. I think you know we do need leaders. There's 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 good reasons you know why people of knowledge should be at the forefront. But there are other ethics, of course, with that knowledge. We need courage. We need you know wisdom. You know to yeah. go with that knowledge. Um, uh, but I think that. You know, you need people. Leaders also need people. You know, they, mm-hmm. there's there's a relationship that we you know, we can't go to one extreme or the other, such that we're not entirely democratic. Such that whatever the people want, you know, we're going to provide for them because people, you know, majority of people can 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 unite on battle, can unite on ignorance, of course, which you know? is yeah, which happens a lot. I mean, you know, this country's a democracy. It's we, well, we not it it's a representative you know, or they, whatever they don't know, call so. they don't. It's actually not a full on right. constitutional republic. But there's no necessarily you know final check you know on whoever what the final vote is necessarily you know but then the other extreme is you know we don't go into only into our caves right and you know uh distance ourselves from everybody there needs to be this yeah. you know relationship and, and and discussion um that's a lot of things i just listed right which is why we need to be a mature community right we need to be in communication with each other right we need to have people with different interests and different skills working on different pieces of this Right, some people are going to have different relationships with each other. Right, you need to know who you are and where you fit into this, and where we can find like-minded people, you know, to work together on these things. And then we're going to start to see broader changes, I think, in communities across a local area or a national level. Of course, inshallah, at a global level. But these are the building blocks for such so, a thing. I'm just going to summarize what yeah, you said. Please, said sure. Right. So. Um, it's probably most beneficial for Muslims to kind of take maybe take themselves out of the 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 um, conference circuit you know what i yeah, mean and then yeah. instead kind of link up with you know the local masjid the local person of knowledge and kind of go to them constantly yeah. learn your islam yeah. take your adab from them right um manners yeah. ma- yeah. you know yeah. ad- manners yeah. uh, take your knowledge from them and kind of from there you build up yourself as a person yeah. and when you do then you will naturally see these these opportunities for uh, you know, c- civic engagement open up for you, or I when you do get there, so, it's. Yeah. But I think you know we're spoiled also coming from New York or California. You know, at the type of people that we have around us. You know, we do have great true, scholars around true. us. We have access to these people yeah. mostly. You know, mm. if we know where to find them, right? Which is another privilege. Uh, I think you know when you mention the conference circuit, you know, it reminds me also of how many Muslims are not at the conference circuit either, right? Mm. But not because you know they've moved beyond it, but because. They're not even necessarily engaged with their faith or a faith community at even that level, 
you know, for even one weekend a year, you know. So we need to look at the different levels of the dawah, right? And not dawah meaning externally, but also our internal dawah, like to ourselves, to each other, right? We're a Muslim, like of the population from Muslim families uh, and new Muslims coming in, right? Of this broad population, right? What what are the different sectors, right? Get into yeah. the marketing of it, you know, like what what are the, d- the different sectors of this market, for example, you know, and there's going to be people who don't, who are barely, yep, you know, they need something different, you know, someone who barely identifies as Muslim and who have asked, you know, might not even like, well, I'm kind of I'm a secular Muslim, you know, I meet, meet kids like this all the time, you know, that happens, right? What do they need to hear, right, to get them to a point that they're even taking scholarship seriously at all? Yeah, very right. True. You know, how do you get someone into maybe first before that? It's just someone getting someone to the bazaar at the conference. Forget the conference sessions. Mm. Like I'm happy check out if the someone, sobs over here. There's brothers I know. I would be happy if they just went to the bazaar, right, and just circulated for three days. I'd be happy with that, right? For this year, like that's all they need to do. To really. give salams and hear salams. It, that's like the <laughs> that's an amazing thing. Yeah, like, let's not yeah. take it for granted. You know, yeah. just because of whatever yeah. you know path we've been on. You know, that's a great thing. That's a really yeah. powerful opportunity just to see. 15,000, 20,000 Muslims in one place. Yeah. For some kids coming up in America, like in oh, I was, America, I was mind blown. Like, it's mind blown. I, when like, I just went to my first Muslim conference, like, we have this many of us and we yeah, can organize. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then you find out that there's 10 million of us somewhere, yeah. you know, in this country creeping. But You see them on uh, Eid. Yeah, and you see them on Eid, you know. And, and, but again, that's a level. Actually, right? that, not even that's anymore. Not even. I think the, the Muslim turnout during Eid has even lessened. I would Is say. It? I would say. Um, I was in New Jersey this year at Princeton. We did we did good, mashallah. It was a it was a nice Eid, and we we revived the takbirat as well. Alhamdulillah. We, uh, we 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 you do the full I, I, every masjid I go to does like we, the, just the first two lines. No, no, we actually uh, they don't do the full one anymore. My sister-in-law, mashallah, had a uh, here's a free idea for you guys. You want practical things? Revive the takbirat of Eid. The uh, she designed a card, mm. a simple card, and wrote the full yeah. takbirat. You know, or one of the riwayat of, of mm-hmm. the of the uh, takbirat on the card in Arabic in transliteration yeah. and the translation Mission right? Mission, they do that did they really yeah. okay so I never heard of this before it was just something that occurred to us and we, you know, we thought it's, that's awesome mashallah. <laughs> and um, and we had it printed and you know distributed it before the thing and so the takbirat could be heard because yeah, you, you, know, you, you know what it, most people don't know it most people don't know yeah. it yeah. I, you hear it once a year myself, you, know, I mean, it's like, you know years ago I was just like da, 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 da. you know, just, <laughs> you know it's, a, it's an important thing it's, it's, it's you a show of force the it's just kind of flow the Eid takbirat is supposed to be a show of force right but again if people say Eid Muslim I mean there's Christmas Christians or whatever or Easter Christians you know you know again that's a level Right? How do you mm. get people there on Fridays? Mm. Right? Oh, a lot yeah. of brothers are not showing up on Fridays. I've got no, for sure. You know, for sure. like there's you a, see that Ramadan. Some for good reasons, some for not. More show know? up in Ramadan. You say, well, obviously you can make it, but you're yeah. only coming in Ramadan. Yeah, so yeah, exactly. Yeah. Again, but that's a level. Yeah. And I'm I'm happy you're here, guys. You know, I'm so glad you're here. You know, how do you keep them? How do you keep them coming? I think that right? goes back to what you're saying, showing the love, the and compassion. Love. It has the, to come from the, love. If it comes from judgment, people are going to be like, screw this guy. I was like, oh, bro, I haven't yeah. seen you all year. That's, like, yeah. That's the first thing they're going to hear. <laughs> the like, they're not going to come like, back. Where you like, been? Yeah. Uh, like, like, oh, so good to see you. You know, stupid. come yeah, off. Exactly. It's horrible. No, really. But again, we have to be conscious. Yeah. How do you now get people from that level now to sit with the shoe? To be able to identify the shoe, first of all. Right? Some people you talk to, forget, sit with them. They're like, these guys they don't know anything Molana, whoever like they don't they don't know anything really they just you know and maybe where they come from maybe yeah. the Molana well, didn't know because they don't you know, like, that's that's a, overseas that's what it is the dumber you are it happens. if it you're happens. stupid you go to the you go study i hate you go to believe study that Islam. it's everybody but yeah that's it's not the smart kid goes you know yeah, unfortunately the, that's you know? what it is yeah. um 
and I mean, I live in Turkey. I mean, you don't need a lot. I have tremendous respect for our imams. You know, a lot of them work above their pay grade, you know, but they don't have to write khutab even. Like, they're just basically reading off the cards and reciting Quran, you know, for the salawat. The, because uh, it's state controlled, you know. Um, this is a deep historical dynamic of limiting the role of the ulama, you know. Mm. Um, so how do you get people to respect? First of all, to be ulama, you, you need people you yeah. know to know who to go to, go to how do you help people now identify their quality right and then commit to sitting with them you know that's a level right to yeah. be able to set aside time you guys know you know we've it's all been tough. through this like how do you set aside time there's all the other things that we have to do and that we like to do right to then put aside time to really study this dean you know no. and it's tough and you know we all need to do a little bit we don't all need to do a lot mm. right so how do you get some people to go further than that right how do we make a way so that way the smartest kids right the most capable the kids with that most potential it, yeah. you know and who have the interest in it too um, of course you can have aptitude for different things how do you get the right kids right to master this tradition right Very true. and ideally we, if we could identify kids at six and seven right and then send them straight into you know traditional training right I mean, you don't need 12 years to learn the math that you graduate high school with that's it's ridiculous right you don't need 12 years you know Whatever it is they teach you, you could probably do it in four, right? If you're if you're you learn all that math, and like, then you learn like one of one of like the twelve books of algebra or something. That's what you or three of the twelve <laughs> books of algebra. Yeah. That's what you graduate right, with, right. and you've been studying for eighteen years. Or it's, a, it's probably the least efficient way, yeah, you know, of of studying anything. Yeah, I'm talking specifically now uh, about American public school education, and I survived it, you know, but. Alhamdulillah, um, you know, we, we <laughs> pre-smartphone right, pre for what that's worth, yeah. Um, I can't even imagine what that would have been like. Maybe I wouldn't have survived it. That's yeah, my point, yeah, actually. Yeah, <laughs> I probably wouldn't. My high school, um, you couldn't carry this stuff around. They took your headphones. They took your. They took your flip phone. They took your flip phone. Now, now you walk around with it. It's okay. Yeah. Like, I don't even know how these kids are getting through. They're not. <laughs> that's another story. They're not. Yeah, that's the yeah. thing. I mean, I had a debate with the MSA West, uh, California uh, MSA, or mm -hmm. I guess they're more regional, but. Sure. Uh, leadership there was the big elections and I, I they gave us some time at the beginning I was talking said like I want to have a talk with you guys I was still part of the MSA then uh, end of my senior year saying like you know, I think priorities for MSA should be more on Muslims like we're doing like Islamic, so Islamic awareness week but most of the Muslims don't show up to the only ones who show up are Muslims sometimes to your That's events often, yeah. second the ones who show up already know this stuff and the ones who aren't showing up don't know this stuff you're like oh we're gonna do a class on what the hijab represents most Muslims like in your five Muslims, five Muslims who show up are, the, are there. Okay, they learn about it, I guess, or maybe those, those guys already knew about it. But then the other hundred members you had, they had a class conflict. They don't want to show up. Whatever, they have no idea what it represents. Or they know that it's going to be boring. Also, sometimes, but, yeah. Know, which is but problem, I mean, but, you're you're preaching to non-Muslims yeah. all these you know great cool topics for a week, and it's like, but your Muslims have no idea about these things, yeah. right? And you did it once. You're only doing this event once a year. They missed it. It's like, mm. okay, I'm going to move on. I'm going to assume my Muslim population knows this stuff. And then yeah. we're wondering, why are they introducing themselves with their pronouns now? Like, Because the foundation, you're yeah. not even trying with them. You're, right. We're so out with public policy, Islamophobia, whatever else yeah. we have to try and change the world. Right. It's like, yeah, but the Muslim next to you doesn't even have wudu correctly. You know, yeah. it's like, where are we? And a lot of this stuff comes from, this is the top-down problem as well. You know, I want to, yeah. again, yeah. and maybe this is part of me. Empathizing. This is radical empathy here, but again, like, <laughs> I, I think uh, it's I a... I like it's that. A, radical empathy. It's, 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 <laughs> a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a it's a quality of mine that I've tried to protect, you know, because it's important. something yeah. that's... Um, uh, alhamdulillah. I, I, I think it's something that we, that, we, that we need. You know, the... It requires strong leadership to say, 
even in a case of urgency. And it's because, I mean, the boot is on our neck, right? We don't, maybe we're comfortable right now. Alhamdulillah, we're well fed, right? But the boot is on the Muslim neck right now. Mm. And so in that context, you know, and Muslims know this. I mean, kids growing up know this. Maybe their parents don't even want to tell them. I mean, I was in youth groups where, you know, somehow, I mean, you know, you see how I talk, you know, it's very easy for me to transition into, from Aqidah into Guantanamo, you know, but I think, you know, and I asked the kids, I remember I had like middle school kids. Yeah. This was a few years ago, you know, I got in some trouble for this uh, from my bosses at the time. You know, I asked the kids, I was like, SubhanAllah, you know, I, I said, it was like a blank look when I mentioned Guantanamo and I asked them, I was like, how many of you have ever heard of Guantanamo? You know, like the prison at Guantanamo. Yeah. It's like guacamole? I guess. It, was like, it was like maybe four 14, 15 kids and five of them max, four or five of them had heard of it. Really? Right? So the majority. And I realized at that time, you know, I, I didn't click until that moment that most of them were not alive yet. They were, they had not been born right at the time yeah. at, at, in 2001. Yeah. Right. So their entire memory, right. Was of this period. But I think at some level they get it, you know, they, 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 they feel either bullied or harassed a little bit or they feel their teachers treating them differently they see their parents being abused and being belittled right they see the media right they turn they internalize it and then do it themselves to each other right muslim kids you know this is part of our reality of growing up muslim in america right um and other minority communities have gone through this too i mean you know black intellectuals have been talking about this process oh, yeah, you know black people talking about you know uh, anti-blackness and the way that's internalized as well and um a number of other communities you know deal with this of course it's a general process muslim kids know right so they want to get involved and they should and i don't want to that that's why i've been trying to walk this line i don't want to discourage people or even slow them down too much i want them to protect that sense of urgency mm-hmm. say yes it is urgent right maybe the boot's not on your neck but that boot is being put on necks on muslim necks right around the world these wars are still ongoing right the wars didn't stop with obama obama increased the number of wars right and increased you know certain policies expanded certain policies to make it worse this is not something that's going away in fact it seems to be accelerating right it's not about trump right it's not about any one president it's about a system right it's about a process we need all hands on deck right we need kids to grow up knowing this history Right, Salahuddin didn't decide to to come back for Al Quds just because he thought it would be a good idea, and because he found it as an adult and was like, "Oh wow, I can't believe that this has been occupied all this time." <laughs> right? No, he was raised with this. Like he was raised yeah. knowing the maps. Like he was, you know, Fatih, uh, Mehmet the, the the second, the, the mm. Ottoman Sultan, right? That took Constantinople. That fulfilled a hadith. Right? He knew that he was fulfilling a hadith. Like he it's knew. Like he was. He was. He was raised like learning. Greek and Latin, you know, learning like, you know, European languages so that, you know, he could be the ruler, right? That was prophesied, right? Like he knew that, and that's why he did it when he was, what, 21 years old. Well, that's what you were talking right. about. You got to find those kids. You got to find, find those them kids young. and nurture. Of course, he was, yeah. he was born, you know, you know, son of a sultan. So it's a little bit different, you know, but broadly, we need to have that community vision. You got to right? have that. So those kids on. coming up, right? Maybe they haven't, you know, gotten to an intermediate level in Aqaida or Fiqh, right? But a leader is able to say, listen, okay stick with me we're gonna stick together right these are the classes we're gonna make sure that you have what you need right do you have the tools right we're gonna protect your akhirah as well right but you can still get to work right we can still get involved in these things mm. now what that work is that's again a conversation that we've touched on a couple times not we haven't delved into it too much right what is that work exactly when it comes to trying to rein in the american war machine right in the year 1440 like that's something that we need to think about right that's that's a that's going to require a disciplined, mature discussion. But what does that actually mean? You know, what does that look like at the global level and at the national and local level, right? But a good leader will be able to do both, right? 
both give the tarbiyah and the tazkiyah that a community needs or provide at least a process for that, mm -hmm. right, to kids and adults coming up, not just kids, right, to an entire community, a diverse community, kids from different backgrounds. Mm -hmm. When the kids show up to the MSA, you know, some of them know a lot. Some of them don't know anything at all, right? Yeah. Some of them know wrong things, right? May Allah protect no. us. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's, we, we need... It's all hands on deck. This is the this is the thing. Like we need the we need the advanced shoe, we need the young students of knowledge, right? We need the activists. We need everyone at the same table. Not I hate this. Like we need to have a conversation about this. That's not what I'm saying. Like we need to get past the conversations very quickly, right? We need to get to work. Um, but there's going to be some coordination that we need to make sure that this work has some coherence. Yeah. I know we covered a lot of ground today, you know, inshallah, but it's. Uh, things that so I, wanna, know, I hope we can synthesize and and and, and see around us we could probably maybe touch on this one maybe sure. take a few more questions and we yeah, can wrap course, it up time but yours, there yeah. was one thing you said um uh, about the specifics of reining in the war machine mm. right because that's something that's like you said it's constantly accelerating yeah i mean america there's been a major war every 10 15 years yeah, you know least, that yeah. that's what part of the economy is built on yeah, yeah so yeah, yeah, yeah. you know na, na, and now yeah. and, and it's iran Good you know point. that's and maybe Iran next. Maybe time. Iran next, right? So depending on what happens. Uh, so what what are some like what are some goals? Like if if you know w we succeed in building this sort of not coalition. Yeah. I don't want to say coalition, but um, we all have the same mentality. We all get together, hands on deck kind of deal. What 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 should our be our political goals? What yeah. are our political goals now? Because sure. yeah, sure. Um, again, you know, you know, I'm not representing a movement. I'll speak for myself. But, speak for yourself. But, yeah, but. <clears throat> I offer these ideas, right, to, no. to my people, you know, and, and hope that, you know, they would take it seriously or debate with them at least. Um, you know, one is to stop bloodshed, always. You know, stopping oppression to me seems to be a higher priority than doing new good things, right? Mm. So if we have to choose, for example, between ending a war as the main policy priority, right, and universal health care or even food, Right. I would argue I'm willing to debate, you know, but uh, I'm willing to, to hear another perspective. Right. Mm. But I would argue that stopping killing. Right. Is a higher priority than you know, providing a service. Right. Got it. So I would structure my priorities rather. OK. Right. In terms of first, you know, making sure that this keeping this government out of war. If you're a citizen of this country, right, if you're a, a member of this political community, mm -hmm. right, if you're a mm -hmm. voter or you're involved in lobbying or money, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, then if you're telling us that we need you to be invested in this space, then do that. You know, get this military out of our countries. You know, get this military out of the Muslim world, right? They have no business there, right? Um, two, right, is to free the prisoners, right? Part of a justice, achieving a just peace after a war is to return the captives, right? Is to deal with the question of the captives, right? And there's hundreds and thousands, right, of I mean, not just Muslims. I, I'm, of course, we're talking about the conflict between Islam broadly, you know, and America, Euro, Euro America. Um, but of course, this would apply, I think, to any uh, of our allies around the world. And I think that Muslims traditionally did ally with the black and brown world, with the global South, or whatever, you know, however you want to define it. They're all at different times useful categories. Um, the third world, whatever that is. Mm -hmm. The um, question of the captives is, is 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 a again i think a close second mm. and it's part of ending a war mm. right so returning them and granting them justice reparations you know for the time that's been lost for the people that were killed um 
three, and this is again connected with these things. Again, is removing the puppets, you know, the puppet leaders in our lands as well, which are supported by broadly Western powers. Of course, there's a, a Russian and Chinese counterpart. Yeah, you know, uh, that access is a different um, uh, is another problem, right, in the Muslim world as well. But we're in currently in America, we're American citizens, I imagine. Um, talking about this context no that's that's why that's my first mm -hmm. focus i'm not a russian citizen or a chinese citizen um if that were would even matter i don't know um now <laughs> you'd have different priorities so, in china yeah i imagine yeah. Yeah. yeah um now so removing so taking back uh uh cutting off uh, american support for israel's the obvious one the zionist regime occupying Palestine is the obvious one um but Emiratis, Saudis, you know, the, the, those local oppressors, right, mm. that have been uh, held over us, right, and have allowed and invited even the American military and European militaries into the Muslim world again mm. and again. Those are also internal enemies that should be removed. But it will be easier to remove them once the great, the superpowers of the world stop supporting them from external, right? So that's one of my top three priorities as well. So it would be stop the wars, remove the puppets, free the prisoners, right? This is about ending the war machine basically got it keeping now those are the main things after that point this is very much i think this has to be part of our political vision and we can say it right from the beginning right a very close fourth right is now the building or the transitioning of our government or of a government of any government right even if it's one i mean who knows by the time we solve any of these things if we ever do then i mean the american government might collapse itself you know and it won't be the muslims doing that's for sure mm. right anything is possible <clears throat> i'm just saying in political community in general right then is transitioning our the government that we live under if we're going to live in a, a non-muslim state would be now whatever taxes making sure that whatever taxes that we do pay are meeting immediate needs of people mm. right mm. is making sure that people have food that people have shelter that people have health care that people have educations now although again that could be privatized you know that's where it starts getting debatable but at least the very basic human needs mm -hmm. you know making sure that whatever money we're giving that it's meeting those yeah needs. if you're going to take right. the money then if you're you, going to take it then you need to use it then yeah it has to, has to be used on the highest priorities because yes. if you're not going to do it then we're going to do it but we're going to keep our money we're going to keep our money know? exactly taxation so. is most definitely theft Right, and I don't subscribe to any particular American political party. I'm not a libertarian or this or that. Right, but Islamically, taxation is theft unless it is meeting an immediate need. Right, yeah. unless it's well, first of all, zakat or jizya, um, and then beyond that, meeting an immediate need. No, yeah. yeah. Um, so th this is how I suggest you know that we think about it, and I think I gave my reasons why. Mm -hmm. um, I think it would give some clarity right to how we navigate issues of you know candidacies, elections, you know national and local elections. I mean, there's so much confusion every two years or every year, depending on where you are, you know, people are coming, candidates are coming to our masajid, maybe. We're excited if they come to our, if our masajid. Yeah. And these candidates say, you know, I understand Muslims and I love Muslims. That's why I went to Afghanistan to free them. Like, and, like, can you, how stupid can And then can Muslims are like, yes. How stupid can we be? <laughs> like, really, like, you, you send these war criminals to get our votes by telling us that you killed my cousin, right? And we're supposed to clap for you and be so, so grateful that you visited our masjid and took your shoes off, you know, before you entered. It's really ridiculous. Mm -hmm. um, we need to have clarity, right, about what our priorities are. I think then we'll, um, it will solve a lot of these these issues. I think some of these issues of, you know, so these debates about like, you know, marriage and, um, you know, things like this, the, the LGBTQ stuff in particular, right? These are things like, honestly, we're not issues of government for us, right? These are things that community is gonna solve for themselves, right? This could be, you know, this is issues of private life, 
right? No one's gonna go to a masjid and ask for a gay wedding. Like we know that much, right? Well, at least ten years ago, it wouldn't have happened, right? right maybe now, maybe a little bit different. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but generally, right? These are not issues of government, and we certainly would not expect a non-Muslim government, right, to to dictate be the morality. To dictate morality or yeah. be the arbiter of these things between us and other communities. Certainly not, right? Just focus on the basics, right? If you have to defend, you know, please defend from inside the border, right? And if you, uh, if that's really even such an issue if safety is really such a tremendous issue who knows um and otherwise just make sure that people have what they need right otherwise i'd rather just keep my money thank you very much yeah no it, the ta ta point of taxation is very it's an important one I, that's another yeah, one that it, you know i know people <laughs> have gotten into yeah uh, political like partisan thinking right yeah and of course we do have the ethic yeah. of giving and you know we think of ourselves as people of service and mm -hmm. we want people to have food and you know we think of bait al-mal and how you know the the treasury used to give and yeah, yeah uh, used to give people what they needed and no one went hungry and this and that you know but that's, that's not, not what that's, this that's not what's doing. happening that's no not what no American someone's pocketing doing. hundreds of thousands of dollars their traveling expenses here and here that's all on taxpayers yeah. money and yeah that's travel expenses while planning wars like this exactly is, uh, that's um, i mean I think majority of people like who are married ta ta getting taxed around 30, 35% of income, you know, and that's, why would you want more? I'd rather have more of my money. I could give more zakah. I could do more with it yeah, in my own exactly, local community. Exactly. Circulate it. Circulate yeah. it in the community. Yeah. Exactly. There's a lot of, you know, that. Muslim businesses that are popping up yeah. that are providing services that, yeah. you know, you, you should uh, definitely Which is another support. thing too, you know, we were talking about weakness and small thinking and I mentioned Ibn Khaldun and, and that's mm -hmm. part, that's another part of this independence, mm. you know that we can build without waiting on an external no. sign, right? Is that, okay, we're paying our taxes, but people still have enough money to, you know, yeah. or some people, you know, still have enough money, you know, to, to consume and to, 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 to buy new things and we buy cars and homes and things. And we, not including me, but, you know, some people seem to have this, this expendable income, right? We could build these institutions, right? We could build these institutions inside of our community right now. And some people are. Mashallah. Hmm. I mean, some people are, of course, credit where it's due. You know, some people are doing these things, but we can do this in a in a collaborative way, in a cohesive way. You know, and we're going to see a lot of uh, great changes. Hmm. You know, before the next city council, you know, election, when they're debating budgets and how much money are we going to put into a homeless shelter, why didn't we already build the homeless shelter? Why are we waiting on the state? You know, hmm. or why are we waiting on the city to debate how to spend our tax money? Uh, you know, here or there, when we should already have done that. No. Right, that's our job. Right, then we can go to that before that next election. We can say, "Don't worry about, we got that." The we Muslims, don't need, we don't need Muslims that tax got increase. That, we already yeah. at three. The Muslims, you know? Muslims have all the homeless taken care of. This is not even yeah. cross that off the yeah. list. Next order of business. You know, I would love to be able to do this in any town that we have 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 the have the option. Schools. I mean, how many Muslim kids? You know, I have Muslim friends that went to Catholic school. I have because uh, they're the, they're the best because they're the best schools they're in some areas. Schools. You know. Yeah. Um, and I mean, the parents let them go to school and wear their uniforms and go to their theology, you know, Catholic, you know, uh, yep. their religion classes and fine. And, you know, they hope that, you know, they gave them the foundations to survive that. And a lot of them did. That's fine. Yep. Right. But why couldn't Islamic schools be the same way? You know, I want our Islamic schools to be schools that and there's a couple examples that are like this. I remember South Florida uh, was a Senate uh, trust. Rehan Mirza, good brother down in South Florida. I remember was doing this where he his school did so well, you know, and it was essentially a homeschool like tutoring you know, agency, if I'm not, you know, that was like the category of the law mm -hmm. that it was in. But it was getting so good that the state was referring families, non-Muslim families, to send their kids to his school. Mashallah. Um, because of the results, wow. right? And he was teaching them Aqaidah and Adab. And, you know, like, yeah. it was like, <laughs> it's amazing, right? But that's exactly, I mean, I would love to see that in every yeah. town in America, right? And so that way, the next time it happens, 
is a big issue with the school and school budgets. I know a lot of towns, especially as populations get older, right? They don't want to put all their taxes into keeping schools up. They don't have kids anymore. Like this isn't a priority for them anymore. Right? I want families to know that that Islamic school down the way, you know, they're they're going to take notch, care of us. Yeah. You know, they're sending the kids to you know the careers of their choice. You know, to no. the schools of their choice, whatever it is. You know, or not to fetishize university, but teaching them trades that are useful to them. Whatever it is, whatever you know, uh, wherever it is that you're at. So, you know, these are things that, again, no, amazing, in yeah. terms of priorities, like I would much rather put my money into that than to donate it to a politician, which agrees with me on one issue out of 10, if that, yeah. right? Or that I'm just hoping is going to be the lesser of two evils, right? But it's still tremendously, deeply evil, yep. right? Um, these are very practical things. Again, I'm saying this, you know, people may think I'm in some ivory tower because I'm coming from Istanbul and or living in Istanbul right now and I'm not on the streets here. Um, I, I admit that I, I accept that I'm just offering these ideas and things that you know I think we need to keep fleshing these out and I'm hoping also that perhaps it reaches someone who may find themselves in a position to do something like this no no criticisms I mean I feel like sometimes yeah. when you're out of the context you can more it's giving uh, me some clarity for it's sure. giving me some clarity just, some yeah. objectivity to, so. to, so. to make some claims or I recommendations hope so. I hope so, yeah. So. yeah and uh, I mean on one of these you're talking about different ways you talked internationally what we want to prioritize even talk domestically locally but on one issue I'd love to maybe I don't know if it exists yet is there any organization that is helping to destigmatize so uh, sorry here right now you see someone in the street smoking cigarettes mm. what, do you, what is, as an American you grew up what does that mean to you disgusting your bad breath That's true. teeth yeah, culture lungs etc all cigarettes how is there anything Muslim organization-wise locally? We have Muslim Day at the Capitol. We have all these kind of public policy pushes. Do we have anything for that? Like for alcohol? <laughs> I mean, this is. Oh, I mean, think about it. This is the biggest, yeah, like oppressor on statistically, a secularly, damage. a lot of damage. The kafar will agree with you. It's true. They have this is the number one, ki- number one disability and killer from ages fifteen to forty-nine. Yeah, I mean, think about that. Like, it's just a mind-blowing number. Is wow. Bar none is the biggest indicator of mm. harm, injury, whatever it yeah. is. But as Muslims, why don't we have a, like a collective campaign to destigmatize the same way cigarettes did it? Let's just do that with. We don't do prohibition yet. Like, oh, it didn't work out. I understand that because they didn't do it the cigarette way. Yeah, let's do right, the cigarette right. way. Change the culture first. <laughs> the, yeah. Islamically, yeah. same thing. They didn't yeah. was not banned year one. The Sahaba, right. some Sahaba died drinking, yes, like right. because it wasn't prohibited. Right, hey, right. Like it came right. later. Right. Good point. Good point. I mean, is there? I don't know if there is. I've never heard of anything like this. I mean, it's funny in Turkey they've recently gone through this and are still going through this thing with cigarettes in particular because mm-hmm. if you've been to Turkey, yeah, I mean, Middle smokes. East, everyone like, everyone smokes. I know everyone does, but something that some of my Arab friends have said that was strange for them is also seeing even women smoking in uh-huh. in Istanbul and like hijabi women, like you know, public Muslim old ladies, young women, like you That's know, hijab smoking. Like not to say that they're held to a completely different standard, but it's just culturally strange. You know, I think for some people who see, you know, who are used to something else, a lot of smoking, you know, in Turkey. And this is something that came top down. I, I think Erdogan in particular, you know, really uh, President uh, mm-hmm. Turkey Erdogan, uh, Recep Tayyip Erdogan, really hated smoking you know always did and like made it a personal campaign of his to mm. try to uh, uh, convince first of all the people around him right uh, I guess smoking and then to also now there's programs that you see even little carts on the street sometimes that are f- just full of, av- of of warnings you know against smoking and things like this mm. um, with alcohol here I mean 
it's so again, ingrained it's like, in the culture. It's, it's, it's very ingrained it's in the culture. Ingrained, yeah. Yeah. It's a very, I'll not doubt that. It's a very American thing. It's a very yeah. European-American thing. And of course, everywhere that American imperialism went, they spread alcohol among oppressed peoples as yeah. well, You know, yeah. such that now alcohol is a weapon. Like when you see what it's done uh, to Native oppressed Americans, communities here. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like really, according to the numbers, it seems like really a very difficult issue. And this is, this is part of control, right? Um, the... A campaign to 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 undo that, you know, you know what would that look like? I mean, first of all, no. The short answer is no. You know, I don't know. But but two, you know, let's brainstorm a be, solution. But no, I mean, someone, you know, we should be people who who yeah. would be able to think through this one, right? Yeah. Like, you know, it would, there's it would precedence. Be, it's been done. It would right? be it would be culture, you know, and culture and education are linked yeah. here, right? Ideally, you know, the science would be there, yes. right? And it, it seems like it's there. It's done. Like, it seems yeah, like the numbers are there. It's ugly. Uh, you know, we know it's ugly. Right, so it would be, you know, making this. How do you teach this effectively, right? Because I went to Dare, you know, classes yeah. when I was in school, and it was a joke, you know. Like it yeah. was like, you know, as soon as you, you know, you see there weed or you see alcohol, it's like, you know, okay, I'm free now. Oh, yeah, there is. There is one organization I think I just mm. it just came to my mind. Mad Mothers Against Drunk Driving. I think that's oh, the sure. only. Oh yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I've that's no. There's yeah. a group online. I forgot. I think our friend Solar he shared it with me. Like there's an they actually advocate for policy against alcohol. Like, uh, like, ban it. Like, like, yeah, like that's their like thing. They, they, like they little started. legislation here and there, wherever they are. Yeah. It's like yeah, a yeah. super small mm. offshoot, right? Nobody's gonna. Like, oh, that's so, okay. So I, yeah. I thought you meant Muslim organizations. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure I, that I would. I mean, I'm no, no. But I was asking Muslim because we advocate for God knows what else. But like, why about things like that? We every Muslim doesn't matter how on the spectrum you are, can be like, yeah, that's right, that's haram. We should Something like, even kids know, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, even if, even it's if, like on the level of pork, you I know. Mean, like, it, it is. It's, it's specifically <laughs> like, like, yeah. There's, I mean, there's Muslims who there's you know, no difference even, of even opinion. If they drink, even if they drink, they yeah. know that they're not supposed to be drinking. Yeah, exactly. Right? Which is an important thing. You know. Like this one is uh, there's no controversy. You can get funding from this from all the Muslims. Like, yeah, you know what, you're right. Like this yeah, one, we should help right. ban. Deal with that one, yeah. Again, now. So the war machine. And alcohol. Next. And alcohol. That's number five now. That's number five. It does raise interesting questions for me. I'll be honest, right? About issues of government control. You mm. know, I'm I'm generally nervous. Like my one of my principles. I'm generally nervous of advocating for the government to take more of a role mm. in punishing anything. In general, that's that's a general policy. Again, there could be exceptions to this. You know, but um, and prohibition is an interesting case, right? You show that you know, bringing the boot down. Yeah. You know, without the education there, and even with the education, I mean my Apparently, my Irish uh, great grandmother was, you know, very strict, you know, anti mm. uh, anti alcohol activist, mm. right? Because of how much damage alcohol did to the Irish uh, Irish people, you know, over history. Uh, the even with that education, there's still prohibition almost made people more brazen or more yes. like, you know, wanted more. And this is part of human nature as well. Um, it's the knee jerk And when you look at the war on drugs, I think that's an important lens through which I view this as well. Mm-hmm. You know, that when you look at how the war on drugs is waged and has been waged, right, it's going to predominantly affect people of color, right? Oppressed minorities, communities, yeah. minorities, poor people. People right? over the It's over not going to be, it's not no, going to affect maybe, the, maybe we don't have to outlaw it. I mean, cigarettes yeah. are not outlawed. Right. But they're not allowed right. to advertise on TV. Right. They're not allowed right. to. Their advertisements they're, they're, can't have certain like graphics or imagery that attracts. Uh, uh, like the prices ch- continue child. to rise dramatically. Yeah. Taxed taxation. even more all the time. Like right, just slowly, just making it harder and worse, harder yeah. and worse to touch. No, things. I know. I, I agree. You know, I think that these, at some level, I, it makes sense to me. At another level, and again, I'm just raising questions. I, I, yeah, I'd be course. curious to like really delve into the fickle of this I, I would be really interested to do this you know but even with cigarettes just by having a legal regime 
such that uh, it's controlled, mm. right? And with licenses and approvals and taxes, you create a situation in which, in Staten Island, for example, you know, five years ago or so, um, Eric Garner is allegedly selling Lucy's, right, on the street. And by selling loose cigarettes, he's breaking the law to the extent that, you know, allegedly, to the extent that then a police officer will approach him, engage him, and then feel justified to put him in a chokehold that results in his death, right? All of this because, again, this, they could have turned off this road a number of times before killing him, right? Um, but all this because of a logic of government control that law equals mm. punishment, right? Mm-hmm. Um, now with New York, for example, New York's... I think I think I get what you're saying. So you're more on like the... You, you'd rather see less some sort of less cultural government. societal yeah. engagement where if we everyone collectively I think it would be more effective anyway. I, I yeah, do. I rather... Do. Yeah, I mean... You're right because as soon as just because something is law doesn't mean people are going to agree with it. Yeah, you know, you can outlaw outlaw just the fact that it's it's outlawed. Yeah, and and with history in general, you see that always a knee jerk reaction when something is outlawed. You know, you had prohibition not very long after it came back. It's natural. Yeah, slavery, same thing. We're going to outlaw slavery. Well, then we had a civil war over it. Yeah, you know, there's there there is always that. With change, you need time. You need people's hearts to change. That's what it is. It's, it's the issue of the human right. heart. So how do you... And this is what I was saying earlier. Like, yeah. This is where Iman comes in. Yeah. Right? Yeah. This is where you, know, you need to have those foundations. Right? I mean, at a certain age, of course, you know, with children, literal children, right? There's a point at which, of course, the parent is made responsible to make sure that the child prays. Yes. Right? But very quickly, very quickly, you need to transition that to a point. You need to bring that child to the point that they understand why they're praying. Mm. Because very quickly they are going to be responsible for praying alone, yep. right? And that's not on the parent anymore. If you raise them, you know, your your responsibility is more or less, at least for that, you know, move on. In the same way, you know, education is that way, and ideally, you know, law policy is this way, right? You know, we should teach kids that smoking tobacco, you know, or drinking alcohol, right? Well, let's well, just take alcohol first, just because in Islam it's so obvious. Um, you know, the drinking alcohol is clearly forbidden, right? There's, there's no different opinions on this, you know. Not that I know of. I, don't, I, I hope not. Um, the it seems it seems like we're pretty. It's been seen as the only one. I know. You've transcended all bounds. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, no, the once that's taught, right? There comes a point when the child is alone, right? Mm-hmm. And he's going to have access. You know, to whatever he wants. Tukwa I mean, comes in, yeah. Yeah, and that's when Tukwa comes in. You know, that's when you need to have Fear that God. God consciousness, you know, that, that, that awareness, right? That sense of purpose, that sense of, uh, of worldview. Um, I think anytime you give the, the state, especially the American state, since we're talking about America here, anytime you give the state the chance, right, to execute a law, mm. right, to enforce a law, you now create a situation, you can now create an interaction between state and citizen or state and individual, right? which could result in if this individual refuses, right, it escalates to the point of death. And a cigarette is not worth that to me, mm-hmm. right? To have someone, you know, a tax on a cigarette, you know, result in someone dead, you know? Gotcha. It, now, are people who are selling, you know, weight of tobacco, you know, are they facing these consequences? No, of course, it's the one black guy on the streets in Staten Island who the NYPD, 
can violate and they killed him on camera like it's not even like it was like they were gonna they thought they, they knew that they were gonna get away with it like they did it on camera and it was, yeah it was and the only bad. one who went to jail for this is the kid who filmed the interaction like they ended up retaliating against him and getting him on another charge you know uh, later the but that's because of a logic of law right like that's because of an underlying understanding you know an outlook on law and so i, I just don't hold that outlook I, I i understand you know i think it's somewhat a, a knee-jerk response to say well um you know they ban these other things why can't they ban alcohol mm -hmm. you know but and sure you know but you know i just i'm just too cautious you that know about sense. the state i'm too nervous about the state um which is why also if we're going to get into you know controversial ground i know um well we're in california now but in a lot of areas they're debating still you know marijuana legalization mm -hmm. or decriminalization in yes. new york they decriminalized right such that they won't take you in theoretically you know they won't arrest you for it but they'll write you a ticket so it's still against the law but you know in general i'm going to favor you know less government like i'm going to favor you know even if yeah you're not you know, pro weed you're less government yeah then. even okay. e even if the position is you know that you know we're not supposed to do that right i would still rather not give the government an excuse right to put people in prison got it right? imprisonment is just imprisonment yeah, yeah, in yeah. general that's like, a whole nother think about that from an islamic fiqh perspective right the idea of keeping people in a jail like that was not really how we did things either no right if it's a capital crime you know you handle the punishment and then you send them home you yeah. know and you get is, you get your lashes and you go back to your yeah the idea of keep, yeah exactly like, that's get, what it get was back to work like, get back you know, to work go back to your family and then the guy down the street for yeah, tens of years decades like let people die in prison yeah. over this nonsense it's really that's that's an oppression right yeah that's part of a war like if we think of war broadly there's a war abroad and there's a war domestically and that's yeah. part of it right this is a real thing sheikh uh was it uh tarafi he, uh, I think this will be your last because we have to actually. Point. We're gonna close it up. We gotta close it up because we gotta get to Jamal. Oh, we're gonna get to Jamal. Sure. Yeah, okay. yeah. You know, I think. Uh, I know you guys are travelers, we'll, we'll but I gotta the, go. Uh, <laughs> yeah, actually, I'm just traveling just from Orange County up to Pasadena. Yeah, I so I <laughs> the uh, I'll pray my asr afterwards. But the you know I I think um, skipping the, the the issue of prison in particular, although I think I've made my views known. I think um, the general message I think that perhaps is a thread that we've. I've been blessed to be able to engage with you guys today. It's really been a very enjoyable conversation. And I appreciate you guys for having yeah, thank me. You, no, with definitely. Me. Thank um, you for being our first guest. I think the uh, it's really it's a really it's an honor and it's exciting to talk about some of these things openly. I felt very comfortable doing so, and I hope that our whoever listens in, you know, uh, later, inshallah, will will benefit and and engage with the ideas too. Nothing mm. that we said is well. Some of the things we said were written in stone, but you know, whatever was from ourselves. It's just our attempt at reasoning through these things, and. You know, but that thread is making our Islam, making our faith practical, mm. you know, to this time and making sure that this is something that's not just an identity, right? But that is actually a system of ethics no. that coherently informs, you know, how we do this work. You know, what does it mean to be a human being? What is our purpose here? What is it not? You know, we know what our purpose is not, and it's not most of the things that we spend our time doing, right? But if it's something else, right, if it's something higher than that. Right, if it's a leadership of this world, mm. not not for control, but for khilafa, for for up, for 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 taking care of, for inheriting, and for for watching over, right, what we've been given, right, Allah's creation, all of it, right, then we're going to find that this Islam is something very dynamic, right? It's mm. not something that limits us or holds us down, but really that lifts us up and allows us to 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 do great things, right? And so I'm not complaining, you know, I'm not sad, you know, about this time that we're alive in. I know it's confusing, I know it's chaotic, but it's amazing. I mean, what an opportunity to be a part of, you know, fighting these evils in this world that we have today. Our enemy is the same as our grandparents and, 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 and our generations before going back to Adam and Islam. It's shaitan. 
every single day we wake up, it's us for shaitan. No. You know, our personal shayateen and our global shayateen, right? Whether of the jinns or of men, you know, we <laughs> they are everywhere around us, right? Yeah. But we have great friends as well. Alhamdulillah. Yeah. And so we ask Allah to, to make us his awliya, you know, and, uh, and, and to use us for the greatest things. I mean, I mean. On that note, inshallah, we will close this off. Jazakallah khair, uh, Cyrus, for joining us. Um, assalamu alaikum, and inshallah, tune in for the next one. Thank you.